0: Bearcat Bounce Podcast, back at it again. Happy Monday, Monday night. No better time for this BBP, the Danco transmission, Danco Auto Care, the the BBP presented by BearcatJournal.com. It's a a Monday. It's a beautiful Monday. And I am Brent Young. That means I am joined by two guys, two guys that will be bringing you some beautiful superlatives with football right around the corner. It is one of the co-hosts favorite topics ever i'm excited to bring it to you with them that means it's no no further time no no later than to bring in my two guys sidekicks partners mr aaron smith and chad Brennell. gentlemen how are we
1: delightful it's uh it's kelsey's birthday she's been a pain in the ass all day so that's great okay really excited about that
0: <laughs> how'd the party go on saturday that's what everyone party, really wanted party was outstanding
1: Chelsea okay. and Stu came over, hung out for a little bit.
0: There we go. Stu,
1: Stu participated in the taco bar. Oh. Yeah. It was, it, it was, it was great times. Weather Ooh. was it was hot, but it wasn't, we we had some shade. It wasn't terrible.
0: Yeah, not too bad. No, it was uh, it was very pleasant. little carne asada, little little carne asada, little little, little, asada, a little, loco. little, little,
1: little chicken, little shrimp. Ooh. Some Brussels sprout tacos for the vegetarians in the crowd. Wow. I diversified. I mixed it up.
0: That's pretty impressive. Yes. Very good spelling of Kelsey. That is is perfect. That's incorrect, but. Pretty close. (laughs) Pretty close. (laughs) Aaron. It's on brand. It's It's incorrect. And it's
1: absolutely on brand. (laughs) So on brand. Looks
2: great. Looks great. Aaron,
0: (laughs) my man, how are we? Uh, a little
2: frustrated with this whole half a tree down in my front yard situation. If you listen to uh, the Nightcap last night, and um, there was there was a storm that rolled through uh, on Saturday, Friday, okay. whatever day. I don't know. Half mm-hmm. a tree came down. It's laying on top of wires. We've had AEP come out. We have had Spectrum come out. Turns out that it is telecommunications lines, which apparently people still use telephones in their homes, um, that aren't cellular. And, uh, yeah, uh, they gave us August 2nd as the date that they would be out to clear the tree from the lines,
0: you know, no big deal. So next week on the BBP, we'll, we'll give them, give them some live shots of that one. The second. We'll see.
2: I'm going to call them every single day until somebody shows up. Uh, That's
0: Tuesday. That's, that's the PTP. You can give a live from the, uh, Take down of the tree. That tree
2: better damn well be gone, but well before <laughs> next Tuesday.
0: There we go. There we go. Uh, landline. You don't have a landline in your house? Little little Star six seven. Little little throwback to the uh to the. Google I mean, I'm,
2: I'm sure if you plug into the jack, you can probably dial nine one one. But no, no, I can't say we do have a landline.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. But there's nothing worse than playing online video games back in the day, and you hear the phone ring. And then you just be like, no, mom and dad, do not answer that phone. Do not answer that. They answer the phone, kicked off the internet immediately. Just the absolute worst. Chaos. No, it wasn't video games. It was the AOL chat rooms. <laughs> <laughs> hey, both. Get that little ding, chica-ching, ding, whatever it is. But, uh, you know, that little dial up. I'm in
2: the middle of an instant message conversation on AIM. Come on.
0: Mom and dad don't answer the phone. No. They answer it. It's the worst. Absolute worst. But, hey. You know what? Here we are, guys. A little little Danco transmission. Shout out to them, our man Danco Joe. Mention the BBP. Mention Chad. Mention Aaron. Mention Camp Higher Ground to old Danco Joe. Get 10% off the next service. Maybe a little, little ten dollars off your next oil change. Whatever it is, go to Danco Joe. Tell them, tell them BBP and BCJ sent you guys. Uh but aside from that, it's a good good little segue to what we have coming up in, in less than two weeks, guys. Chad and Aaron, you guys have kind of alluded to to it on your your numerous little little, little ways of coming here on the uh, the video screen, but we are inching closer and closer to football season amid all the conference realignment and amid all the big money being floated around here and there and 18 different infractions being put on the old Tennessee volunteer program, but that's uh, something that I'm sure Dave will dive into further on Wednesday night, but guys we got to talk a little bit of superlatives, a little team superlatives, just kind of opening up the gate to what we both, all three of us think, heading into camp season. And Chad, as you'll be boots on the ground every single day there at Camp Higher Ground, for the most part, I imagine you're going to try to make everyone... Every day I'm allowed there, I'll be
1: there. There we go. As has been the case for a long time now.
0: Boots on the ground, baby. So... That means that there's going to be a lot of things that change from now until probably this time in two weeks, just from the initial first looks at what this team looks like following off season workouts and now back onto the field practicing. But guys, the excitement's brewing and uh, there's no doubt there's going to be plenty of questions heading into what is going to be happening in less than two weeks from now at camp higher We're going to go on the, the offensive side of things for the most part and, I think clearly the most glaring question mark and is the same thing that it was heading into spring football, and that is the quarterback position. But Chad and Aaron, I know you guys both like to dissect further further things beyond that. So what is the one offensive side storyline that you guys are keeping a closest eye on as it heads into camp higher ground and, and fall camp leading into the season? I would say,
2: I would say the biggest offensive storyline that I'm keeping an eye on Outside of the obvious, which is quarterback, the answer right? is the obvious.
1: It's it's so obvious that like you almost just don't I'm even tired have the answer. I'm tired
2: of talking about it, right? Like, right? don't want to like, talk about it,
1: right? We're gonna. That's all. Like, it's gonna be every the topic day. of conversation for a month, every day, and and you know Luke Vickle ain't naming the starting quarterback,
2: right? Like, not before, or, not before game time.
1: He absolutely has to. Will be when it's named. Now, I don't, I don't think we'll know. One pay close until- attention. Oh. If you play, pay close attention. You'll probably get some hints. Right. Being that we're there every day, we're going to be able to track the trends and be talking to everybody. <clears throat> but in reality, I don't think you're going to see a quarterback named until the the ball is in the air, or, or like what, what's what generally happens, like. 10 minutes into the pregame show, half an hour before kickoff, Dan Ward will will drop who the uh, starting quarterback is.
0: (laughs) And then you'll probably tweet it out. And before you know it, it'll be, uh, it'll be Arkansas scrambling on their sideline, trying to say, Hey guys, we're going with, with game plan B that we've got. Brendan tweeted the quarterback. (laughs) Brendan tweeted the quarterback. The news is out. That crazy man that we all follow. He finally said it. We know who's that quarterback, but no, yeah, it's, it, obviously yes it is the biggest storyline uh something that you know coming out of spring practice I don't think there was a definite deciding winner coming out of it uh Aaron and I were were there for the spring game and I I thought Evan Prater put on a heck of a show there you know Chad you were there for pretty much every single other spring practice and it was a back and forth battle between the two of them and it's going to probably surely be the same thing heading into to fall camp and and I bring up one question though Chad uh you were you were there obviously back in 2018 as well, um, when it was Desmond Ritter showing what he, he was capable of with the staff and whatnot during those fall camp practices. What what kind of a feel was it then between him and Hayden Moore to to what you see right now? Obviously different in, in the sense of Hayden Moore was a senior, you know. Yeah, kind of Ward known commodity. a bunch of
1: games. Like, I mean, had one of the, you know, the best passing game in program history, like... Against
0: Memphis, yeah, that would go. Yeah, I mean, I, it,
1: not, not, I mean, I don't know yet because camp's not here. So, um, but going into that camp, I think there was a belief that, like, if, you know, Des had a chance to take over the job, but it probably was going to be gradual and that Hayden Moore was, I mean... Here's where the similarities – this is where there's a parallel, at least. The belief was Hayden Moore was the veteran, and Hayden Moore was going to take him into battle at UCLA. Right. And then things – the chips would kind of fall where they may from there. Right. Uh, Those chips just got played really fast. Like, they they were all in on Desmond Ritter very quickly into that UCLA game. But, what, the third series? So – and they say that the plan was to always play Dez in that third series and then rotate, but Des came in and, and never left. Right. Um, I don't know that we're at, we're at that point with, with this situation because I think it's legitimately even, I mean, I, yeah. you know, I, 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 th- I think somebody needs to grab the bull by the horns when we get out to higher ground and say, this is my job. Um, That's what the coaches are going to be looking for. Like they don't want to, they don't want to split every first team rep for three weeks at higher ground or however long they're out there. Like they, they want to, they want to give the opportunity for somebody to, to go with it. And it's going to be interesting to see if either of these guys is ready to, to separate themselves because we didn't see that in the spring. We, We saw two guys that were, Pretty evenly matched, so uh, that part's going to be the most interesting, the most talked about, the most followed, uh, the most discussed uh, in every post game or post practice uh, thread in every practice notes article. If you're new here, um, if you're if you're on the fence about Bearcat Journal, I'm in practice every day. I write an article every day the notes uh, of what I've seen at practice that day. Um, it is one of the biggest uh, drivers of content that we do every year at Bearcat Journal this year, last year, let's be honest, last year was boring as shit at higher ground. Yeah. Right. Like there was, there was nothing. We, we're like, who's going to be the, the second string safety, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Who, who's going to, Who's, you know, can can Prater comfortably be the backup? Yeah. Like, there just wasn't a lot to talk about last year. This year, there's going to be a lot more to talk about. So, make sure you get your subscription to Bearcat Journal. Uh The next month is going to be well worth it.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, aside from that, it was just all about the the bright lights of, of seeing Alec Pierce versus Soft Gardner every single day. Yeah, like, but there and wasn't... Was, no, yeah, there, was, there was no... Maybe offensive lines solidifying, or that was probably the only somewhat storyline, but still, there were a lot of known commodities there. Um, next thing I'm going to toss out, and I don't know if if we'll start to get a feel of this throughout spring, I mean, throughout fall camp, but I I honestly don't think it'll be something that'll ever happen under Coach Fickle because I think it's something that Luke kind of picks his guy, has a confidence in him, and, and rolls with it, but maybe not against Arkansas. But you know, maybe week two, somewhat of a two quarterback special package where you do have some scripted plays, and then you bring out the next quarterback with some scripted plays. Do you think that is at all remotely a possibility? Just because of how close neck and neck the two, you know, Ben Bryant and Evan Prater really are.
1: Aaron, do
2: you have I any hope thoughts?
0: not. I, I really
2: hope not. Okay. I, I mean, the age old adage is, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. And while they bring very different skill sets to the table, I still think that this team and, and a, a Luke Fickle led team, it just, you have to have a leader on the field. And if you don't have one of these guys emerging to the top and you're splitting drives or, or even not even splitting, but going, you know, 70 30 or something along that line, it just makes for very strange dynamic for your team and also in the locker room.
0: Right.
1: What I will say is the plan was to split reps in 2018. That was the plan with Desmond Ritter and and Hayden Mm -hmm. Moore. It just Mm -hmm. so happened that that, the Dez just took it and ran with it. Um, So I don't know. Like, I I, I don't know exactly how they're going to play this. And remember, we've got Geno now. So we've got a new offensive coordinator. Right. um, You know, a new voice at the top of that room. We don't know what his preference there is. We don't know which way, you know, he leans because he recruited both of these guys. Uh, I still, and this is, this is just personal opinion. I have a hard time going away from the belief that that first snap, it's going to be Ben Bryant. Right. You know, you're going into a tough SEC environment against a, you know, a a solid top 25 level sec opponent, uh, a team that, that think can be a factor in the sec West this year with a really, really good quarterback. Right. Um, I don't know that that's a time that you get a kid his his first start. Right. And I I just, like with UCLA, like those teams, that team wasn't good. No, you know, they just hopped on the trucks back and, and, you know, he drugged them to victory, but that wasn't a good UCLA team.
0: This is it a was, good Arkansas team. It was also a UC team coming off of a four and eight season. You know, back and a disaster back, of a season. Four and eight season, yeah, disaster if, for lack of a better words. And around the country, everyone was just talking about Hayden Moore at quarterback, and then the uh, the inner circle was talking about you know. Well, we knew. Like, if you circle, were a Bearcat like,
1: Journal member, you knew that it was likely Des was going to. Right. Gonna be a factor. We just didn't know that it was gonna be three drives into the extent. season. He was gonna, you know, start his path to third most winningest quarterback in the history of college football.
2: Greatness is what that's called. His path right? to greatness. If, if if Dave
1: Dave could have cemented his legacy if on that fateful night in August after the UCLA game, when he was very intoxicated on dave after dark that's also the infamous dan Horde in his car with yep. his son and dave dropped an f-bomb right uh if, if he would have you know dropped uh we just witnessed the beginning of the the rise of the greatest quarterback in cincinnati football history and then he could have been you know Canonized,
0: that's Nostradamus, forever. right there. It's the, yeah, the exactly. BCJ Nostradamus, but no, I mean, Dave was, Stradamus. There Dave he Stradamus. prefers that. Well, Dave Stradamus, okay, fair. <laughs> I'm sure he has some glowing things to say about the truck, which is pretty much true because the truck ended up having a good career here. Oh, Dave is,
1: Dave is on one right now, right now. Is he? Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I love on, it. on the Twitter. He is, have you seen him, Aaron?
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> No, what is is he just blasting out some some? Uh, So
1: so John Wilner is back on his like Pac twelve propaganda Uh, and and Dave. Are
2: we are we really ready for this conversation right now? Like, because no,
1: maybe we'll save it for a little bit.
2: Save it for a little bit. Let's get through what we're going through, and then if we do have time for conference realignment discussion, Christ Almighty. Well, yeah, no, I it's not really
1: conference realignment discussion. It's just Dave.
0: I mean, right. we're not doing this yet. We'll, we'll get there. Oh man, I I can't wait. I'm I'm literally just gonna pass the mic to Aaron and let you just blast off. But no, it's obviously that is the topic at hand, and I feel like Aaron, like you've been saying for a while, for some reason the Pac-12 just has all these apologists on their side that will not get off their side. I you know I just I saw too many tweets about how you know the the top three. Pac-12 schools had more of a viewership than the top Big 12 holdover. I, I don't know. It's, the whole thing is just wishy-washy, and I can't wait to hand you the mic and let you deal with it. So um, Next, though, I'm going to say. so. Obviously, we're going to cut cut the quarterback talk there because we could go on and on about how much we like both of them, but truth is we won't have any answers until Chad is able to see camp, ground practice and we're able to get closer and closer to kickoff. And and probably not know who's gonna be under center or in the shotgun until about an hour before, thirty minutes before kickoff. So um, we'll move on. Uh, my biggest storyline outside of the obvious was uh, "Let It Fly" season two. Let's get it, baby. That was an exciting video I saw from what old Josh Wiley was on there, and, and those eight those eight simple words got me a little excited. And I'll tell you what, that "Let It Fly" is a uh, fantastic. Thing to watch as Camp Pirate Ground unfolds and leading up to that first game is a spectacular production and one I can't wait to come back. So season two is back and I cannot wait. Big shout out to the entire video crew and everyone that puts that together. Can't wait. So uh, other than that, probably running back. Um, Aaron, I'm going to pass to you again. I want to hear your thoughts. Let's go ahead and just start with, you know, rushing attempts. At the running back position, this doesn't necessarily mean they're going to have the most rushing yardage or doesn't yeah. necessarily mean they're going to have the most rushing touchdowns, but the, the player that you think is going to tote the rock the most this upcoming season.
2: Well, we know it's not going to be Ethan Wright.
0: Yeah. As his position has changed, as we talked about, it feels like we talked about that for two years. Um, I mean, you say it enough, in Luke Fickle's case, eventually it's going to happen. <laughs> um
2: Perfect. But as far as who carries it the most times, while I would love it to be Charles McClelland, I would love that to be a thing and have him go out, you know, in in what should be his final year at Cincinnati. Um, I, I would love that to be a thing. I am not trustworthy in his body to take that type of a bruising. And I don't know that he brings more to the table than Corey Kiner.
0: Right.
2: I think Corey Kiner is probably the no brainer uh, coming from LSU. As long as he's right from whatever dinged up things that he had going on that was alluded to in uh, previous renditions of this podcast Mm -hmm. um, by the guy who trains him, by the way, uh, I I feel like as long as everything's hundred percent, I don't see a reason why Corey Kiner should not be ready for taking That that position and running with it, he's back home. They they brought him in for a reason, and I I think that there is going to be every opportunity for Corey Kiner to earn that starting spot and never look back. Okay,
0: okay, I've I've got another interesting comparison. We talked a little bit about the the quarterback, you know, one A and one B back in 2018. I'm going to bring back the 2017 Cincinnati Bearcat team. And Chad, I want to know you, how you feel about similarities, just at running back, and obviously it's two completely different circumstances. But you're talking about a running back room that had, you know, Mike Bone on the team. You had Jared Doakes, Mike and Boone, Boone, Mike Boone. Sorry, Mike Boone. Mike Boone did
1: not carry the ball at UC. Hey, Mike, buddy! Hey, buddy! <laughs> hey, buddy! Can I get
0: the ball? <laughs> my bad, Mike Boone, who uh, who now has actually gone on to uh, some pretty pretty Heavy fame in the fantasy football world for being a uh, destructor of some teams or some some booster of some teams.
2: We're not
0: Mike, done being children, Mike. Mike Bone is John. gone. Mike Boone was that running back. I and was Boone, here in
1: 2017, bro.
0: Yeah, he was.
1: You're so mad, Mike. (laughs) You're so mad right
0: now, Mike Boone. (laughs) Oh,
1: my cheeks hurt.
0: Mike Mike Boone actually led the team (laughs) in carries with 110. Jared Dokes led the team in rushing with 513 yards in only nine games. Do you feel some sort of a you you know, obviously Mike Boone was 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 pro, obviously. Pro potential in him, uh, a, a player that obviously had had some electricity in his running game, but it was a new name like Jared Dokes that was able to lead the team in rushing yardage in those nine games before getting injured. And then, of course, Mike Warren came on late in the season. Is is that something that you could maybe sense with this team where where it might be, you know, Ryan Montgomery leading the team in rushing attempts, and then you have a player like a Corey Kiner coming in leading the team in rushing yardage? and then a third player, whether it be a a Chuck or even a Miles Montgomery, who starts to shine later in the season. But enough to to give the ball around and have each one of them really have their stamp on the season? Or do you think it's going to be they find their starter and they kind of roll with him and and, and ride him for a multitude of carries, kind of like the the truck years, if you will?
1: I think it's going to all depend on, one, Corey Kiner's health because he's been... He was dinged up last year at LSU. He has been he was dinged up at, at spring practice for LSU. Right. He's been dinged up a little bit since he got here. Like, do we get a 100% fully healthy Corey Kiner? I think that, and, and do we get a Corey Kiner that kind of does the most important part and that's buy into the system, the program, right. everything it means? If he does that, and he's the type of running back we think he is, I think it will be hard not to uh, see him push himself into a prominent role. Um, I know the staff loves Ryan Montgomery. I I know, you know, obviously Chuck has been through a lot. um, But there was a couple times this spring where, like, you saw him put his foot in the ground, make a cut and go, or like you saw him hit the hit the Jets a little bit, and, and you're like, oh, okay, okay. And we all know I'm I'm a Miles Montgomery guy, like right. Uh, you know, listen to how Brady talked about Miles Montgomery uh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Listen to how when we had the boys, I was say, the boy, boys. The rest
2: boys, the staff too, yeah, yeah.
1: Like that's a dude I know in that locker room that they absolutely love. Uh, and, and when I've seen him, there have been times where he's gotten the ball and looked to me like, Oh man, that's, that's what NFL talent looks like running the ball. Now it's just been in practice it hasn't trained, you know, he hasn't had a chance to translate it into games. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, if Kiner stays healthy, I think you'll probably see him lead in all the major statistical categories. But much like pass catching, which Aaron and I talked about so eloquently on the uh, the nightcap last night, it very easily could be spread around. I mean, gosh, you look at your four options in the backfield that we just talked about. Six options, seven options at wide receiver that we've talked about. Three options at tight end that we've talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not even counting, uh, you know, the secret stuff that I saw in the spring where they were putting Mets in the backfield, uh, trying to get him some touches on the goal line. Right.
0: Yep. (laughs) They had Cam Jones that quarterback during that time. (laughs) Yeah, they
1: had Cam Jones uh, lined up at quarterback (laughs) and Mets behind him.
0: In the shotgun. Yeah, yeah.
1: With Dante Corleone at fullback.
0: Dante, there, yes, that's that was right. Yep, <laughs> <linemen
1: set>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well just kidding, guys. Just seeing if you're paying attention. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but it's there's a good chance it gets spread around. Um, but I think Kiner has the most natural god-given ability in that group. Um, so I would I would pick him to lead in those categories, especially without like like touchdowns maybe would be different if there was like a, a thumper. Yeah. Right. Like a guy right. you bring in on those, those third and goal from the, the one yard line situations that could gobble up some touchdowns. Um, I don't know that they like Corey is probably that guy. Yeah. So I, I don't know like who's going to steal the touchdowns from him. If he's the guy that's getting the bulk of the carries and the guy that's being used. Yeah uh, in the short yardage situations. So I would go Kiner. Um, he's got to prove he can stay on the field and he's got to win the job. Uh, but I think if those two things happen at camp, that'll be the guy.
0: First off, I I can't believe I said my phone. Um, second off us either. (laughs) Us either. That's why like, look, man, I know you get mad at you when we laugh
1: at that stuff, but I mean, you fucked up.
2: I I did. I did.
1: But, uh, remember back in (laughs) 2017, Mike Bone playing running
2: back? (laughs) Me either.
0: I mean, and I I, know it's Boone, too. I just, I know you know. know. Little, little, little brain fart. Um, but yeah, I, you know, it's funny you bring up like the, you know, having a thumper or someone that can come in and, and kind of get that short yardage. It reminded me of those, you know, late teams with uh, Mark D'Antonio as coach where they had like the kind of the three headed monster in the backfield, if you will, with like Butler Benton, Jacob Ramsey, Bradley Lathar and, and, you know, Jacob Goble, just kind of the, the ability to, to use different at one time. But I do think it's more akin to where this is a season. If, if Kiner can show he's healthy, like you said, I think Kiner has a chance to kind of take the reins and, and be that lead back with, Ryan Montgomery coming in and having a burst and ability to take things to the next level when it's kind of like a one, a one B truly with two starting running backs. But yeah, I mean, you don't, you don't bring in Corey Kiner and, you know, have him simply just, just be there if he's completely healthy. So I, I agree with all you guys um, with your sentiments on it. I, I do think it could be, it could be where Ryan Montgomery barely edges out, Kiner and carries maybe, but I do think Kiner will have a few more explosive plays. And of course, like you said in the red zone, I I believe he's the thumper that would get into the end zone. Unless they maybe have miles Montgomery, some sort of a niche and he's able to, to really figure it out. And that's where he's a specialist or something along those lines. But Kiner, I think for me, um will, will be the one that just progresses and is able to show and, and practice the fully healthy. He is that stud that, you know, Borderline five-star running back that the staff was so heavily on uh, a couple of off-seasons ago, uh, recruiting-wise. So, I'm... Can I make a party point? ingredients. Totally yeah, party.
1: These? These? What you got? Top three party food. Oh. sloppy rolls with cream cheese.
0: Cream cheese in the middle? Yeah. Wow. Chad, I, I got to give it to you. My, uh, my family loves making those from parties. Put the little toothpick in them and, and go from there.
1: Kelly, Kelly makes them all the time. This time she got the like the bigger, thicker, like kind of salami you'd use on a sandwich.
0: Right. Right. And
1: did it with those instead of the little thin, like tiny ones. Right. Oh. They're like three biters. You gotta take three bites to do them.
0: <laughs> funny, uh funny side story to that. I, I went to a college party one time and like it was like a they super. They just Bowl. had them? It was a Super Bowl party and I brought them. And everyone was so now it's just like a on the butt of a joke, a lot of the time, it's like, Bren, are you gonna bring your salami rolls again? Because I mean, you're at a college party, people kind of just look at them, and they're like, What is that? And I'm just like, They're good. They're salami why did you rolls. show
2: up with hors d'oeuvres? <laughs> <laughs> they're salami rolls,
0: they're was- so
1: dangerous. Kelly starts making them in the house, but she has to make sure I'm not around
0: because you just I would just stand them. there and eat them as
1: she like she rolls it up, she puts it in the container. I pick it up and eat it. Mm-hmm. She she works on it for twenty minutes. There's like four salami rolls in the <laughs>
0: container. Sorry. Well, speaking of of catching it before it's it's ready, let's let's move on to the receivers. How about that little uh, little, little slight segue? I guess kind of a stretch there, but um, you guys had an interesting talk last night on the uh, on the nightcap. And that is the fact that out of all of the great returning receivers and and pass catchers. Yes, two tight ends named on the preseason Mackey Award watch list. Shout out to Josh Wiley and Lenny T. And I I beg for anyone to come and, and try and go back and forth with me because I think they're both going to have a great season this year. But on the Blitnikoff Award watch list for the preseason, there it is, Nick Mardner. And a lot of that, I think, has to do with the success that he had at Hawaii, and then people look on the Bearcats, you know, who, you know, key people that have left players that have moved on to the NFL and you see Alex Pierce and you say, okay, let's replace six foot three and, you know, two two twenty with high speed and high ability to catch jump balls and, and run great routes and pick up big yardage, big plays and replace it with a six foot six guy who's has, who has speed and as was a big play machine at Hawaii. So, you a couple of extra eyes on Nick Martner, Chad, because Aaron, you and I at the spring game and Chad, I know you saw it during the spring practice as well, but Nick Martner was in there with, you know, he had rest with the first team rest with the second team rest with the third team. And, and some of Brady Lichtenberg's biggest throws were just kind of this flooding out of the pocket, throwing a 40 yard jump ball that Nick Martner came down with. So are you giving an extra eye to, the now 25-pound added of muscle Nick Mardner and the ability that he might have to crack that 1A, 1B and and possibly be on the field for these big-time, big-play opportunities.
1: I, I mean, I think he's going to be a huge weapon. Don't get me wrong. Right.
2: Um, Literally and figuratively.
1: Right. You know, it's like we talked about last night. Like, he he's going to be the guy down the field. That, that goes up and gets it. Um, I, I just wonder, like I said, I wonder, like, what's his role going to be on the intermediate stuff? What's his role going to be on the regular route tree? Or like, what is his ability to, you know, as we saw Alec Pierce develop, Alec Pierce early in his career was, we're going to throw it deep. You're going to go get it. Nick Mardner's, you know, five years into his college career or whatever Like, is he going to have that ability to be more than a deep threat or how much will they use him because of his size and his speed to occupy a safety over the top and then have tight ends coming in underneath and, and Tyler Scott and and Trey Tucker doing their thing. So, um, I, I don't necessarily like if I'm picking one person from the wide receiver room to be you know, award nominee type level. I don't know that it's Nick Mardner. I get it because he did have such a big year, um, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I the balance think, is the, the balance is just the balance throws everything off because there's so many good guys right at each level of of the offense.
2: Yeah, jumping in real quick, I think that to answer your question specifically, while I said last night that I think Trey's going to have the best season. He's been my guy for the last couple years now. Um, I think that, to answer your question, the guy who I'm going to be keeping an eye on as you and I watch sitting next to each other in the press box, Mm -hmm. I think that we're going to have several different times throughout each game that we sit next to each other where we're like, hey, Mardner's on the field. and We're watching Mardner over the other guys on the field because he brings something that this team has never had.
0: I, I agree. I and I mean six foot six. I got the yeah. back, it, But he has speed to go with it. If you watch his highlights, it's not just, you know, a, a plodding tall wide receiver like, like this team has had in the past. Um, but he's he's a player that can go up and he can catch the ball and, and then sprint past everyone. He's a player that has shown the ability to make those deep ball catches, but then also stay on his feet, make one man miss and you know, turn a 40 yard gainer into a 70 yard touchdown. So,
2: well, and we, we, we talk to Brady often. And yeah. what does he always say about speed? He says that if you put on weight, you gain speed because yeah. you're putting on muscle, you gain speed. He's not one to lose weight to gain speed. So, going by Brady's theories,
0: if Martin put on 25 pounds,
2: mm-hmm. he should be faster.
0: Yeah. I, and, and I'm excited to see just kind of, what other steps he's made? Not only adding on that weight on the outside, but you know, like you said, Chad, it, you know, look at a player like a Jaden Thompson. If if he's got that you know route tree down a little bit more and a little bit of a, more of a connectivity with with Evan Prater and with Ben Bryant, you know, is he going to be that one that does step in and have the ability to not only take the top off at times, if if given the opportunity, but have those crossing routes? You know, he, his one big catch last season was a forty-seven yard. Reception against Miami, where he, you know, it wasn't just a, a run down the field as far as far as you can, and and we're going to throw you a jump ball. It was more, you know, of like a post, and he was able to get separation and and shield the defender behind him and came up with a big catch. Uh, he didn't do too too much after that Miami game, but he started to show that he can be this wide receiver. You know, when when Pierce was injured, as the true when it was Jaden Thompson's true freshman year, Thompson was out there for the injured Alec Pierce. Um, he had one jump ball in the corner of the end zone, but it didn't come down with the catch. But it looks like the staff does have some sort of, you know, sense of security and sense of, you know, trust in Jaden Thompson. So, you know, so is,
1: here's the thing with Jaden, I think too, that that needs to be mentioned.
0: Yeah,
1: he has come out of his shell quite a bit. Like,
0: yeah,
1: it's not that he was a quiet kid, but like he was kind of in the background, right? You know, right. the first two years, and this off season, I've really seen him become more comfortable in his skin, you know, be be more vocal, be a little bit more outgoing, be a little bit more uh, joking and and playful with the guys and like cutting it up a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, And usually that's a good sign that like a kid is is growing into a larger role, a a larger, you know, footprint on the team. Right. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting with Jaden because he can play both spots. He can play boundary and field. Mm -hmm.
2: Chad, quick question for you. In the spring practices that you've seen thus far, of these guys. I don't remember that. That was four, well, I'm three just I'm, ago. I'm just curious if you remember seeing anybody staying after to work with the quarterbacks of, of the receivers. Yeah, I mean they, there was
1: different days that, that different guys stayed around. If a guy, you know, dropped a couple balls, they, they were notorious for sticking around and and getting some extra reps in. Um nothing, I mean, you know. Chris Scott's always a guy that gets extra reps in. Um, Tyler Scott's a guy that'll stick around and get some extra reps in. Trey will get some extra reps in. But I don't think anybody, like, like did extra, extra, right? right? Because they all, that's a group that pretty much all likes to get on the jugs or or get back out, you know, if there's a couple things that needed worked on that day that maybe didn't go as planned, that they'll get back out there with the quarterback afterwards and, you know, get 15, 20 more routes in. Um, they're all pretty good about that. So I don't know that anybody really differentiated, but not in that nobody did it. It's just that those guys were pretty – all pretty good mm-hmm. about getting some extra work in and and trying to – like they understand, man, like this is – a lot of these guys, and, and we're going to see this at camp a lot, I think, man. Yep. A lot of these guys have been waiting, Aaron. Like, they've been waiting behind these veteran dudes that are now gone. And and there are paths to playing time that are now open that were that were not open in the past. Like, Alec Pierce generally wasn't really coming off the field. To talk deep, Sauce and, and Kobe weren't coming off the field. Beavers and and DeBlanco weren't coming off the field. Like Majer wasn't coming off the field. Even where you know in a position that's rotated pretty heavily, um, Majay didn't take a lot of snaps off. Like you're gonna see a lot of these young guys be really hungry and really feel like, okay, now the door for the first time in my career, that door is open. And we'll see who the gamers are, right? We'll see who who has the the chutzpah
0: mm-hmm.
1: to back it up.
0: Yep. You like that Same with Chutzpah. I did. I did. Is that German? German? Yes. No. German. German. I've uh, done a yeah. kazoo
1: tight and a chutzpah. Wow. Leaning heavily into my German heritage. And, and, and I've th- talked about Lorenz Metz at running back.
0: And you've got a salami roll, and up next is a soft pretzel with cheese. No, no, yes. pardon me. Dijon West. With the – that's that's not Jewish? Brown
1: mustard. It might be Jewish. I don't know.
0: Who knows? Who knows? Bar Mitzvah. But anyway, uh, you can also say the same at uh, running back with, with Jerome Ford. That's, Jared Doe. You know, I speak here. Mexican. Taco. Okay, Jesus. There we go. There the, go.
1: <laughs> burrito. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very good. Chimichanga. Uh, Aaron, who's who's leading the team in, in receptions this year? Trey. Um, Okay, I was going to give you a little little quick insight. Uh, so obviously Alec led the team last year with, with 52 receptions. Second was your boy, Trey Tucker, at 34. But then there's Tyler Scott with 30. Lenny T with 28. Josh Wiley with 26. Chad, who's your leading receptions this year?
1: I've gone back and forth about this. And I still, it might change between now and... And the end of camp. Today? Today. Today? Yesterday, my answer would would have been Tyler Scott. Okay. My answer was Tyler Scott. I I was going to
2: say it it actually literally was.
1: (laughs) I think I might go Lenny. Okay. Like, I think there's going to be a lot of, like, possession stuff. Mm -hmm. Second and medium, third and medium. Where Lenny is, he runs such good routes. He's such a big target. He has soft hands. Like I, I, I today for some reason my, and that's, again, it's indicative of this room that, that it's going to be so tightly packed. I think yeah. there's going to be a lot of guys right around 30 to 45 catches. Yep. You know, five, four, five guys right in that 30 to 45 catch range. I'm going to, today I'm going to go Lenny. And then if you ask me tomorrow, I might go Josh. Yep. Uh, and by that the end of bad. camp, I will have covered all five or six guys. And then when one of them is right, I'll just do what the realignment people do. And i are oh. like, see, boom, I was July 25th on the BBP. I said Lenny. And Don't Lenny worry not.
0: about what I said on July 24th or on July 28th. It was what I said on july 25th that matters yeah yeah. you
2: pick
1: the one that's right that's how
0: it works dang you
2: sound like one of those realignment
0: idiots i just said that (laughs) well i'm just saying and and Aaron, see you're playing along with it too you you blocked out his little talk because just like you block out some of the realignment stuff which we're gonna get to in a second uh my pick then will be tyler scott i'll just join you guys we'll do uh we'll do the three amigo thing where we will not agree but yeah i mean i just think tyler scott came on so strongly and, you know, last yeah, season, of course,
1: Scott. that's my guy.
0: Right. And then, of course, you know, Trey Tucker, this offseason has been kind of that the heartbeat, if you will. But then Tyler Scott is always right there in every conversation, which is, you know, stars in the weight room and, and, and players that are just getting ready to take that next step again. So, I mean, Trey Tucker, Lenny T, Tyler Scott, you can't go wrong with that. Um, now receiving yards real fast because last season, you take away Alec Pierce, who had 884, the second returning Pardon me. Well, well, the number one returning, receiving yardage wise, do you guys know who it was? Josh, right? It was Tyler Scott. Now, Chad, it's interesting that you bring up Josh because in 2020, the leader in receiving yardage for the entire team was Josh Wiley. Yeah. Second leading. Ain't Josh gonna hit on a lot
1: of big plays, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look back a lot at of that, big
2: plays, he came 20... back for a
0: reason, right? Yeah, I agree. Um, but I'm still gonna go Tyler Scott for my answer. Uh, I'll
1: go Mardner here.
0: You go Mardner? yardage is
1: gonna be the, the splash, right? Like, Martner's yeah. gonna be the, the home run hitter, go up and get it. Um, mm-hmm. I'll go Mardner in yards because I think, like, if you look at his yards per. Per catch average yards, you know that's yeah almost twenty significant twenty almost just under twenty. Yeah, so, last
0: season it was nineteen point eight. I was yeah. going to go nineteen six.
1: Wow, ah, that's that is as just under twenty as you can almost get. Very close, nineteen point nine.
0: Very close. Very very close.
2: <laughs> yes, that's correct. Good job,
0: Aaron. Aaron, are you going, Trey?
2: Public no. public school, Northern
1: Kentucky <laughs> Education.
2: I learned that counting on his fingers and toes. Um go. I don't know that I can go Trey on yardage. Mm-hmm.
1: Um because I think a lot of some of his stuff is going to be runs, right? Like those jet yeah, sweeps yes. are considered yes. Some of them are considered runs.
0: Yeah so. the one where he's running right in front is a little pop pass. Yeah. Well that's a
1: pass. That's why well, it's yeah a pop pass.
0: Oh I thought you meant but still just short, short yardage type you know, passes like that, if you will. Because if it was a run, we'd be calling it a run. All right. Anyway, go ahead, Aaron. <laughs> Things have been off the rails about 17 times already.
2: Um, I would agree with, with Chad. I don't I don't want to actually try and go too crazy here. I, I think it's going to be Nick Martiner also. And I think there's yeah. too many tangibles, not not intangibles with this guy, but actual tangibles that that are gonna get him there.
1: He's yeah, six I, six, he's fast, he has good hands, like yeah.
0: And he's done it before. Right. Right yards yards per catch I had Nick Martiner I'm sure we all do in yards per catch um but n- next is receiving touchdowns I'm going Josh Wiley on receiving touchdowns I go Lenny
1: I think I go Josh again they love the fade right
0: yeah yeah I was gonna say remember last year how many touchdown passes from des to Alec Pierce where it was just 20 yards and in and just a quick fling out to to Alec and he came down with a 50-50 ball. That produced, I would say, probably six of his eight touchdowns on the season. Yeah. Uh, so and and Josh had six touchdowns last year, second on the team, uh, back in 2020. Josh came down with six touchdowns as well to lead the team. I just think that Josh is now that back to being that 50-50 guy like he was. When Alec was out with an injury in 2020. So it's Josh for me. What?
2: There's just a very strange common I to put somebody in timeout. No. <laughs> no. What Bam! did what did he say? We're not going to repeat it. That's why it's, it's been <laughs> blocked and put in timeout.
1: Oh, man. Somebody wanted to give you a handy.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus. Interesting. Yeah. Yep, moving on. All right. (laughs) So, uh, Josh, for receiving touchdowns. Uh, Are we all in agreement here? No, I said Lenny. You said Lenny. Lenny. I've got Josh. Okay, there we go. There we go. And now next, last but not least, we're going to move it along quickly and pass on the all-purpose yards and total touchdowns. We can discuss that at a later time. But I want to hear you guys' thoughts on – Are all five offensive linemen going to be named to an all-AAC team this season? There were three last year on the first team, all-AAC, and there was one preseason All-American in Jake Renfro. All five return starters that that were in the Cotton Bowl last year. It's a chance to have a pretty special season at the offensive line position. No. I don't want to steal your thunder, Chad. I'll let you go
2: first.
1: No, I, I don't think they're all going to, all five be all conference. I mean, that would be, I, I don't want to say unprecedented because I don't know, like, it might well, happen. I mean, first team,
0: second team, or third team. I know. Straight I know. Up, yeah.
1: But throughout the whole conference, you're talking 15 guys, and Cincinnati's going to have five of the, the 15. And, and yeah. plus injuries. Right. Somebody's going to get dinged up. Like, I'm not going to, no, I, I'm not going to go there. Okay, I think they will be very good along the offensive line, but I don't know that you have five all conference
0: guys.
2: Okay, I'll go out on a limb and say that we don't even know who the starting five are going to be come week one.
0: Okay, camp's going to be interesting,
1: man. Interesting, camp. That's going to be gonna one. Be, so, so remember this is what we talked about coming out of spring. Yeah, that was the first fifteen practices that Cummings had to assess and evaluate. Right. And I don't know, like, is it probably going to be like running back? I think that's, that's the leading, the leader in the clubhouse. Right. That you run it back with, you know, Tunstall, Cooper, Renfro, Mets, O'Quinn. Right. From left to right. But I'm real interested to see these first, that first week of camp, if Cummings hasn't conjured something a little different up, um, do I think it, it involves moving Renfro? No. I, I think you have a potential All-American at center. Yep. You don't move them to guard just to move them to guard. like right. you know. I, I don't think that that's the case but I think it is like Mets getting a a longer look at tackle and camp, I think is possible. I Mm -hmm. think getting, you know, I think O'Quinn has been really good at right tackle, but I I think naturally he's more of a guard. Like, do you try to get him like the combination of Renfro and O'Quinn next to each other for the run game, like running inside, we know they like to run inside Mm -hmm. could be devastating. So, I, I'm just, like I said, I, I think more likely than not, we see what we saw in the in the Cotton Bowl as right. far as who the five guys are across the line. But I just want to put it into the universe. I don't think it's out of the question that, that we see Cummings take what he saw in the spring and maybe tinker with a couple different looks right. um, as camp gets started. Yeah. And to I, see how they, they
0: like it. I mean, if you can think back, uh the game that Des really took off in 2020 was at SMU. It was also the first career start for Jake Renfro at center and first career start for Dylan or so at right guard. So left guard. guard. That's right. Left guard. Oh, left, left, left. Yeah. Cause because they had taken Cooper's spot. Yep. Um but Tunstall's obviously gotten a ton of talk from Brady and the strength staff over the uh offseason. I, I think Tunstall I think was excellent in yeah. spring. Yeah, yeah. And so. then uh, Cooper looked good. He looked looks like he's being a leader as well. So I mean, clearly some some birdies, but yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see uh the first couple days at Campfire Ground and uh in, in fall practice. What kind of movement? But yeah, I mean Renfro is is all American caliber so let's see if he can stay healthy and, and really show yeah that ability that he has so yeah i agree anything else as far as the offense superlatives go guys how about one last right. one you think uh backup left tackle matt lanham gotta be cam cam jones john williams
1: i think cam was working mostly at right tackle as the backup Mm -hmm. Um, I'd have to go back through my notes on too deep at left tackle. Yeah. I mean, I, I I just don't recall off the top of my head who was, who was two at left tackle. Right. And that kind of tells you how, how much of a step Tunstall has taken as well.
0: Oh yeah. Big time stuff. Big time stuff. Uh, real quick, rapid fire. We're passing yards or rushing yards this season? That's a good question.
2: I think you have too many weapons on offense in the past game to not have more yards passing. Yeah, I, I think I
1: here's here's the other thing I'll say, and that's that's pretty much in agreement with you, Aaron. Who's the home run hitter
2: that was my next point, yep,
1: at running back? Like Who's the guy that's going to smash those 50 60 yard runs to keep up with what you're seeing uh from the offense on some of the big plays? Um
2: unless
0: it's Yeah, crazy.
1: I I mean maybe it could be.
0: And you can um, say Mike Warren did that, but it was after 20 carries, you know. Then he was Right, Mike, that, Mike, that Mike was gut yard. punch
1: gut punch gut punch and then, you know, all Knocked of a sudden out. boom, a he's in the open field. So, yeah, I would, I would go, I would go passing.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, for kind of piggybacking off what both of you guys said, there's no drone forward in that backfield anymore. Um, so, I, I mean, Ryan Montgomery had that one long run against, uh, at South Florida last year. So he, he's got that in him, but he doesn't really have that big time breakaway speed. So, uh like I said, no no, drone forward in that backfield, and it took a lot of carries for the offense to have more rushing yards than passing yards three yeah. seasons ago. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. But, yeah, that's the offense superlatives leading into camp defense next week. But uh, right now is that time. Yeah, we kind of already touched on that a little bit. Chad has to go back on his in his yeah. notes and take a look. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think there's a lot of flexibility in that little, in, in the backup as far as the offensive line goes. John Williams, you know, knocking down to the, the guard or out at tackle as well. So we'll see. Um, we'll timestamp there with the offense look heading into camp. But aside from that, we got to dive in real fast with realignment. And uh, as Aaron gets ready to uh, spew all of his thoughts, and I am excited to hear them on the Latest happenings in the realignment. Then we're gonna go ahead and hit, head it over to Chad with his wrapping up of AAU and, and recruiting, and then we'll we'll dive into that mailbox. But, John
1: Williams was was for the spring game. John Williams was the backup left tackle.
0: Left tackle, yeah. It was right. John
1: Williams, Mal Glenn at left guard, Landon Fickle at center, <coughs> Tinsley and Cam
0: Jones. But that was with uh, Renfro out, Mets out, I believe. Uh, yeah, a a handful of guys were out during the spring game. So,
1: but Tensley or uh, Tunstall was was there, and he was first team, Mm -hmm. and John Williams was the second.
0: Yep. Aaron realignment. What the uh, this past past week? It was the SEC and ACC media days. Uh, This week it is Big Ten and Pac twelve. Chad on the Sikkim three sixty five is. Is that what they go by? The uh, yeah, the um, podcast that they had on. They had the Arizona Chad Brendel on their podcast, and he pretty much in essence said that ESPN lowballed that the Pac-12 as much as you can lowball someone when it comes to a uh, TV deal. And now all of a sudden it's disarray and, and confusion. And then on, of course on top of that as well in the podcast he said that. He you knows for a fact the president wants to go to the Big 12. So uh, a few things there to untie. But, Aaron, what are some things that are on your mind as far as the whole realignment and what has happened up to this point? When you think of the Pac-12, what teams do you think of? You know, you've got your UCLA's. You've got your USC's. You've got uh, – And Oregon, and that's it. Oregon, Stanford, Washington
2: – no, that's because you know. You don't right. think of Stanford when you think of Pac-12. Not since no. Andrew Luck have they been relevant.
0: Andy Luck, baby.
2: Right. And he's already retired. hmm Yeah. Uh, Washington made it into the college football playoff, what, like year one of the college football playoff before the big teams were like, oh, this is how we make a lot of money, right? I guess right. We'll, we'll make sure that we get into the college football playoff. Mm-hmm and they made sure that Washington has not sniffed it since. Um, I just don't understand, again, what this love affair is with, I mean, going back to the, the big tweet that Dave pointed out where he said uh, from Bearcat Journal on Twitter, if the Pac-12 as constructed moving forward is in bigger markets and has better brands, then please explain this. So breaking it down, on Friday, December 3rd, you had at four o'clock the uh, Cincinnati Houston AAC championship mm-hmm. going up going up against the. No, I'm sorry, that was that was Saturday. Oh, Friday, Friday, at eleven o'clock p.m. You had USC versus Cal, and that pulled in 390,000 people. Okay, that's like anything on TV, right? Like it doesn't seem to move the needle for me. Uh, then on, on December fourth at four p.m. you had on Saturday you had Cincinnati Houston in the AAC championship that drew three point four million, going up against Alabama Georgia, which drew fifteen point two million. And then you had the uh, Pac twelve championship at eight o'clock that night at four point two million, which sure it beat it, beat Cincinnati Houston without going up against Alabama Georgia. Uh they were going up against Michigan Iowa which drew 11.6 but I I I don't understand they were also going up against Pitt Wake Forest which drew 2.6. I just don't understand how you still think that these markets are bringing in these Pac-12 markets are bringing in something better than the Big 12. Like I I still think it's I think it's ESPN trying to save a product, first and foremost, because without the Pac-12 being a conference, they lose they completely lose a product in its entirety. Um, And I think that the Big 12 has positioned themselves to be number three. You cannot convince me that the Pac-12, as it currently stands, is going to be number three. I don't know what we're doing trying to convince people that the Pac-12, as it currently stands, is number three. It just... To me, this all just seems like just a lot of hot air. And I I don't know, outside of ESPN trying to save a product, what the hell else is going on? So what clearly
1: happened today was that, you know, the Pac-12 sat down this weekend and came up with a bunch of talking points and then sent them out to the, you know, Stuart Mandel and and John Milner or whatever his name is um like that's what happened today it, clearly because there were multiple media members tweeting out these these TV numbers like they all just randomly over the weekend were like you know what I'm gonna do this weekend
2: I'm going to put numbers together for sit down radio.
1: really crunch <laughs> really crunch these Pac-12 media numbers.
0: Let me dive far into this. Yeah,
1: it's time for a deep dive, honey. I know, like I know the kids got you know a soccer game, but I I'm gonna be in my office. They're I
2: not putting to... they're not putting these these slides together, these these tweets together. Right. They're not putting right. together the, the numbers. No. to find the TV ratings and screen cap to make I'm really gonna make my point here. Come on, man.
0: Right, I agree. I what do you, I mean, and then what your guys take on? Obviously, it's uh, people just throwing out random numbers here and there. But uh, someone in, in Jason Shear, who I mentioned, Chad is kind of the U of the uh, Arizona 247 Arizona, yeah. sports. Um, he he's he throws out loud. He has been very loud, very loud, loud, and he's coming out and saying twenty four point five million is uh, the the number that ESPN offered the PAC 12 is, well, is that no, but, but is that, is that per school or is that what the top schools that are
2: going to be making more Oregon, Washington than the rest of the conference? Yeah. Um I don't know. At... Cause that's, what's also been talked about for, I feel like the last three, four days is that, Oregon Washington want to make more money than the rest of the conference. Why? Because the rest of the conference is trash.
0: Yeah. The Yeah, but San Francisco.
2: Okay. Cool. Because that's what that's what I'm doing if I'm in San Francisco is sitting down to watch a nice Pac-12 game. Pac-12
1: after dark, baby. It's not it's not
2: after dark there, really. It's after dark here.
1: It's sunset. Yeah,
2: and and
0: the San Diego State edition though, you guys are not putting that into account. That's okay. kind of L.A. ish, right? Right. Yeah.
1: I I I drove two and a half hours to San Diego uh, a month ago, and it was not. It was not close to L.A. Like no, it it was. It, it, I could almost get to like like Nashville in the time it took me to get to San Diego.
0: Not. Not quite as close as the map shows, right? Uh, But, you know, it's... it's, You know, and then you hear the constant mention of that 10.30 p.m. time slot for... Give me a break. For, you know, the... Give me a these, break. Whether it be Fox or whether it be ESPN. But it's still, it's, it's kind of one of those where I feel like that 10.30 p.m. time slot is for either all the gamblers out there who are, you know, clinging on to one final bet late night or for... The people that just have their TV still on, and it just happens right, to be. You're just
2: still up after a long day of college football. Right, and,
0: like, just, just happens to be Cal on. Stanford on in the background.
2: Or you're trying to make up for how much money you lost throughout the day. Yeah, you talk about that a lot.
0: That's I just said that. that people, but it is a thing. No, but I mean, Aaron I brings quite a it lot. up.
2: Yeah, you
1: both bring it up quite a lot. You're trying well, to
0: catch up. Well, because I personally have done it. And it's uh, it's not fun because then you got to wait for the Hawaii game that's on afterwards, and then you got to hope yeah somehow so Then some you're way. really
1: digging. Then you're really trying to dig out of the hole. You
0: gotta, gotta cheer on your Rainbow Warriors and Nick Martiner and uh, the, now the ghost of Nick Mardiner out there. So <laughs> uh, I don't know. It, it's a. Uh, I hope
1: last year you were betting against Hawaii.
0: No, a lot of times you think home field advantage is going to help the Rainbow Warriors. It's a. Uh, no, a lot of weird things. They don't things have going a home field right now out there in Hawaii. Aren't
1: they stadiumless?
0: I've met just like island, I guess. Island field advantage. Yeah. Can we just call it that? Island, island advantage. Island advantage. But yeah, no, I, I, uh, I ended up closing the books pretty early <laughs> a couple Saturdays this past year. But uh, no, it, there's so many different things that people are talking about. And I still just think it's like a whole lot to do with nothing. And it, on the BCJ pod, I'm sure. Sure, Dave, our uh, what do we call him, the conference realignment conference expert? Realignment expert. Yeah, he's,
1: our, he's the conference, the BCJ conference realignment expert.
0: He'll he'll do a lot better than I will at this because, to be honest with you, to, for me, it's just like alright, just let me know when something happens because as of right now, you have all these Pac-12 people saying that Pac-12 is going to do all they can to stay together and fight the long fight and, and be there until the end and then you have you know, different motor yeah, Dame is, is being a big name that that could be a potential addition that'll, that'll keep things moving. The ACC has their whole, you know, different things going on there. I, I just don't see it as too much that has happened unless this 24.5 million is real. And by all accounts, everyone is saying that it's a extremely low number and and not one that the PAC 12 extremely be low numbers, <laughs> super excited about, obviously. So I, you know, and, Fox already, correct me if I'm wrong. Fox already kind of told the Pac-12 we don't want to anything to do with you as well. It just is NBC now the the, the next person to put a bid out there. Are they going to have a, a game on it? Ten thirty p.m. It just the whole thing just doesn't make much. Why would sense. you put out a bid for something that is
2: not a good product? Why wouldn't you right. sit and sit back and wait as somebody here's, who's going to make a bid
0: for them to the NBC thing move.
1: NBC is going to kill Saturday Night Live
0: right they'll put the 1030 game on peacock hey chad
2: saturday night live killed saturday
1: yeah night live. but i mean still it's it's an institution yeah like like it or not it still does numbers it's still relevant and they're gonna they're gonna put uh cal versus Oregon state on NBC at 1030 on a saturday night
0: Nah, we'll send, send that one to the cock. Send that one to the cock, and then we'll just make sure you guys turn that one on. Peacock. Peacock. It's their streaming service. Short for the Peacock. Phrasing. Peacock. You know how it is. Phrasing, I, Brent. Phrasing. Anyway, so send it to, to the Peacock. There you go, and you can uh, watch there, it over yeah, there.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Watch it over there. I, you know, Would would NBC be a potential thing for the Big 12 if they expand? I, the, the whole thing to me is just like you hear all these different talks, you hear a lot of people saying that they think, you know, maybe the Pac-12 will stay together and, and try and fight the long fight. And because the other other option is what, teams poaching teams, and the Big 12 is the only one that's kind of, you know, come out. Your your Mark saying that he's going to be aggressive, and because the ACC doesn't sound like they're being aggressive. Uh, so I, I don't know. The whole thing to me is just sit back and, and, and let me know when the true next domino does fall. Am am I right with that Aaron? I feel like you you know a lot about the realignment stuff. It it just
2: No, I mean th- this is what like I'm just sick and tired of the people who are putting out the same stuff like where they're just out here throwing whatever they can out there, not really saying anything of note and the same thing like they're they're saying stuff even sometimes a couple hours later, that's contradicting what they've already said, or the day after, mm-hmm. that's contradicting what they said the day before. How many times have we heard that Arizona's received or, or, or put in an application to join the Big Twelve? Right. Were, were they turned down? What happened? Did that not make news? That's crazy. I can't believe it. What? No, that nothing ever happened. Stop acting like you have sources.
0: I. I mean. Yeah. Stuart Mandel said that the Pac-12 in the midst of crucial TV negotiations. He's a shill. Dug dug through 6 seasons of TV ratings and found that the 6 remaining schools rank rate higher than any Big 12 holdover. Oregon fares nearly the same as USC. The 10:30 p.m. slots on ESPN are essential. Well, ESPN again, talking
1: points sent to Stuart Mandel directly from the Pac-12. Right. Same as John Wilner same as everybody else today that has come out yep. with these Pac 12, like save the Pac 12 messages. Tonk 8 p.m. Eastern time. Every week. Every week. Unless I'm out of town and we have to make uh concessions. <laughs> but eight o'clock every Monday, right here for the BBP. And BVP. you missed a timestamp, so that's five dollars.
2: <laughs> if you uh, if if you subscribe, if you, I think I don't know if you can actually subscribe, but if you follow on Twitch, I believe you get notifications. I don't know if YouTube does that um, when it starts live, but just saying. Yeah, I don't know. I, I get
1: notifications if, on my computer, on my desktop, on a little corner of the screen when I
0: mean, I mean, somebody follow. I
1: follow on YouTube goes live.
2: There we go. There
0: we go. I well, I'm
1: saying I don't get it on my phone, but I get it on my my desktop desktop
0: well i think that's pretty much it uh people are gracing that 10 30 p.m time slot as if they live on the west coast I, I tell you what it's it's kind of the same thing with the los angeles angels they've had the best player in baseball for the past you know decade and and half the country doesn't even know much about mike trout and it's just talk it's, stamp it's oh talk stamp, talk stamp yeah all right, is are we talking saving um, this one or
1: Well, it, 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 it's like my one of my favorite tweets I've seen this summer is like it, you'll hear about the Angels, like Mike Trout went 3 for 4 uh with a home run and 4 RBIs yep. and Shohei Atani had two hits and pitched seven in, seven shutout innings.
0: Struck out and, 13 uh,
1: struck out 13 and the Angels lost to the yep. uh the the D-rays. Tigers. The Tigers <laughs> six to four, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And
0: no one knew about it until the uh next day when you randomly see it. I, I don't know, the 10 30 time slot is sure. Well,
1: I mean, nobody cares in the, in the you know east of the Mississippi about that 10 30 ESP, ESPN time slot.
0: It's it's like it's it's on because it's just still on, it's Saturday in college football.
1: Yeah, ESPN is just still on your
0: TV. Right, it's the only game on. You throw it on in the background, and you're either celebrating your team's recent win earlier that day, or you're licking your wounds, or you're at some bar, and it's on in the background, and you glance up every once in a while, hoping that, some team is upsetting Oregon and and oh look at that another touchdown for Tavion Thomas. And that's about it. That is what the 10 30 p.m. time slot is. And that's
1: the only time I cared about that time slot all year last year.
0: Was was seeing Tavion just go off against Oregon. And yes. Would that be something we would miss? No, because it would potentially be something that the Big 12 would pick up the right. 10.30 30 time slot. And and you'd have Cincinnati at BYU at 10 30 p.m. kickoff. Yeah. That'd be a little fun. But uh anyway, I you know, it's just realignment will be around. Um I don't know. Do you think something happens in Pac-12 Media Days this week? Or obviously that, that, that 24.5 number popped up today. I don't know if that'll pick up steam as the week progresses or and more dominoes fall heading into next week. Who knows? I don't
1: think you're gonna hear anything other than you know, we're we're trying to keep the band together.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Until somebody gets a better offer and drives a dagger through our heart.
0: Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. And Mike Bone led the Bearcats in rushing back in 2017. How
2: about that?
0: (laughs) How about that? All right, go ahead and talk, tap that one, and we're going to hop into basketball. Chat? AAU season's over. I'll give you two seconds for a quick tier. That was a good tier. Very good tier. It's pretty close to coming, man. Wow. That's impressive. Uh but, hey, you know
1: what? Pause. Yeah,
0: man. Um but you were able to wrap things up pretty nicely down south.
1: Yeah, I, I saw a couple, couple uh, new, you know, new possibilities. Um a lot of a lot more twenty twenty four stuff than twenty twenty three stuff. Um,
0: Top name. Paul I'll have I'll, I'll have
1: i have a, a couple hot board articles coming um, here before football camp gets started. Hopefully, I started working on those today, um, making a couple phone calls and and organizing where I think you know kind of things are at in my mind. Um, I mean, it's it, it, difficult without. Isaiah Collier and Aronson Page uh, on the road because right. those are clearly two. You know they're two top of the board guys. Yep. Uh, I do think it was interesting um, that Wes was in uh, Iowa for a JUCO showcase for Kilgore College guard Davion Thomas mm-hmm. to open the window. Um, now he's he's a combo guard. So that is what they're from What my understanding from, you know, talking to my sources, they're looking for a point guard, a guard, which is basically being called a combo guard now, Mm -hmm. but you know, a guy that can handle some secondary ball handling responsibilities, but isn't necessarily like your, you know, your point guard. Right. Um, so they're looking for a point guard, a combo guard, or a a guard and then a big, Mm -hmm. um, Collier would obviously be at the top of the list uh, at point guard with Jizzle James, probably, you know, the closest behind him. Um, I think Davion Thomas and and Trey Autry are probably right there uh, at the the combo guard position. Parker Friedrichson.
0: Friedrichson.
1: I I think he's another name to keep an eye on. Uh, I'm digging on a couple more names in those two areas, the bigs, it's a little, a little more fluid, um, you know, page, if call your picks elsewhere, does page pick elsewhere. Where does that stand in terms of them going to the same school? Um, Xavier Booker put Cincinnati in his top 10 today. Top 10. Uh,
0: no Duke, no
1: Kentucky. Do I think it's likely? No. Like I, I've, I've been pretty. Clear about that, but I've also been pretty clear on the fact that the kid keeps answering the phone, right? And the kid keeps building a relationship with the staff. And as long as that keeps happening, you keep recruiting him. Uh, now you know, a a kid from Indiana, with Indiana, Notre Dame, Purdue, Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State like it's everybody in the region, not named Kentucky, essentially. And Louisville. I don't think Louisville is on there either. Um, So you keep swinging and you keep chipping away and you see if you can, you can find a way to squeeze your way into the final five or six, whenever that comes out. And then, you know, he says he wants to get things done uh, by the start of uh, high school season, which, you know, October is generally like when practice and that stuff starts. So, um, uh, I, I think there was a really interesting kid uh, that I saw at Peach Jam, Laji Dembele. Jembalay, Dembele.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that I I, I think is, is a, a late a late arrival onto the scene. Um, but he looked really good to me. Like he's big, strong, physical, could rebound, had a little bit of touch on out to the, the three point line. Um so uh, I, I, I liked him a lot. Um, we'll see after a couple more days of digging exactly, you know, kind of where things stand when I put the big man board together. I'll probably have Cohen Carr on there. I, he's not a big man. He's also not really a wing. He's kind of just an alien. Um, he's six five. I really think, like, he's screwed up not playing tight end. Uh, just with his size and athletic, like freaky athleticism, he could have been, and he still might be. Watch that kid be one of those kids that plays. You know, he's a six-five power forward in college, and then graduates college, goes to the NFL, and makes fifty million dollars.
0: Mo Alley Cox. Yeah, I mean, there's been a bunch of them. Oh, there's been a bunch, yeah. But
1: yeah, isn't Parker? Yeah, Friedrickson. He did commit to Oklahoma State, then decommitted. You're thinking of the right guy. Yep. Uh, we are not the only legit offer for Dalen Swain. Um, Dalen Swain had a little bit of a bumpy spring. He had a really good summer. Um, I, I'm afraid him and Trey Green are going to end up at Xavier.
0: Well, did you see Trey Green got got a big offer today? Who offered Virginia?
1: Mm, that's interesting. That's, that's interesting. interesting. I don't, I mean, we'll see if, uh, see if that changes any, because his timeline looks to be speeding up. He's taken an official to Xavier here in a week or two right. and has talked about shutting it down. If I had to guess, I think Xavier's probably the team to beat. I mean, I, I've talked about that before, but I think Xavier's in a, I, I, I you know, I wouldn't be like, if I'm, if, if I'm bring, whipping out my crystal balls, I don't think I'm ready to do to do that yet. But um, I think probably, they're probably they probably, probably shouldn't
2: the be able to do that more than one time anyway.
1: You should, yeah, just one one. Look at you, balls. Travis Branham.
0: The Steve Wilkong crystal balls.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just not how it works. Recruiting a lot changes, but
0: then don't. Predict,
1: but I mean, you well, saw- but I mean, sometimes Aaron, you like it's done, and you get word that it's done, and it's done. Then you, then then you then take the hit. Done. That's why there's a percentage. You take the hit.
0: We saw a late offer from Virginia to Leon Bond, and all of a sudden we saw what happened with that. um Eventually led to a commitment to Virginia. So who knows if this late offer to Trey Green is is going to be one to watch out for from Virginia? I'm sure that all Bearcat fans would. Love seeing Green stay away from uh, that that other team. Yeah, you don't
2: want a guy on another team uh, that's a rival that has a vendetta for you.
0: <laughs> it's like the start of a villain movie or whatever villain storyline or whatever you call. It, but a, a yeah. rivalry is what they call it. Yeah, oh, I agree, Chad. I agree wholeheartedly. Dealing uh, with dealing with Birthday Girl has
2: been, I believe,
1: insufferable <laughs> today can only imagine
0: i believe
2: insufferable Uh, you did have a question here chad
1: uh no it's not because there are high major teams that won him um so you generally only go the prep school route if you're not getting the interest that you would like and you go prep school to get more interest and he's getting adequate interest for his desire i suppose so but, i don't think prep school is on the table
2: what have we talked about here especially like you don't want to end up putting time and energy into a kid who ends up picking your school and then ends up going to somebody else but that's unfortunately where where things are at right now you can take a kid when you can get him and hope he stays and maybe they go once they have prepped at your school as a you know high yeah major. but i
1: think I think that has changed a little bit from for Dalen with his performance this summer, because I I think a lot of what we saw in the the spring that that had me and a lot of others wondering hesitant yeah. was that he wasn't looking to score. He w- he was being very passive offensively. Like he was passing well, he was defending, he was rebounding. He's six six. He's long. Like he's got all these things that you like but he wasn't looking to be a threat at all offensively. Um, And if you look at Kansas city and, and uh, Peach jam, that offense cranked up where he had a bunch of, you know, 14, 15, 20 point games. Um, So that, you know, now teams I think are looking at him a little bit different as you're sitting and watching those games and talking to people that are around. I mean, he's, he's a really intriguing prospect. If you can get him in and and spend a year development and get him to stay, like he could be long-term, a really, really interesting kid. But that first year, I don't think you're, I think you have to anticipate you're not going to get much out of him while also figuring out a way to keep him happy while he's not getting much use. You know what I mean?
0: Yes. I agree. Uh, I know it's a question in the mailbag, but I wanted to talk a little bit more about uh, Davion, if you would like to, Chad. Uh, Davion, I haven't Tonson. seen him,
1: so I, right. I don't know a ton.
0: Well, just based off of, uh, he, he was in the NJCAA Rising Star, Rising All Star, and in, in session one, he was the leading scorer, scored twenty three points in that game, leading steel guy at three. There was a multitude of guys that joined him at three. But he, if you go back and you look at his highlights from, you know, in JUCO and before JUCO, he's got some bounce to him. He's he, he's a guy that looks like he can score, but do a new, do numerous things on the offensive of side of the basketball. Three for six from deep in that All Star game as well. Um, that was on Wednesday, July twentieth. So that would have been what West was at, if I'm not mistaken. No, so so he showed out in, in front of. West, uh, he holds recently an offer from West Virginia. He's got K State, he's got Wichita State, Memphis. So, I mean, there's a you know, Arizona State, UAB, uh, there's a pretty big contingent trying to go out there and pull in Davion Thomas. So, uh, it looks like obviously got some excitement to his game. Um, bounces, yeah, he's, a, like he's a guard
1: that can score, that can, right. that can.
0: Affect the game in a,
1: a multitude of ways. Um, he's somebody they identified pretty early in this this recruiting cycle, and mm-hmm. have been aggressively recruiting him for a couple months. So uh, we'll see where that one goes. But it's a little more difficult because you don't get a lot of media coverage at that Juco, those JUCO events, right? Um, but from everything I've heard, like they really like. Potentially, what he could bring in and and give you as a a little bit of a you know a guy that's got some experience under his belt already.
0: He he played high school ball in South Carolina. Do you know if yeah. there was any you know back and forth between you know him and Coach Morgan, if you will, or or potentially him and him and West back in the day? I didn't know. Obviously, because that would be kind of kind of in their wheelhouse. That so was also kind of. I'm sure wheelhouse. there's some
1: kind of connection. They saw him play back then, right? You know, whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, well, it's, it's something that's grown to this point. He, he holds the Cincinnati offer and West being there, as you mentioned on Wednesday, instead of, you know, heading straight to the peace jam or going elsewhere, obviously speaks uh, volumes to where they, they feel that he kind of falls in the pecking order. So he falls into that combo guard spot. Um, and then aside from that, uh, you know, who else would you say in that 2023, you're going to drop the, the hot board as well. Um but well, yeah, I can't give everything away here. No, you cannot. <laughs> then what the fuck's the point of dropping the hot board? <laughs> you got a good point. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe uh, pile up the uh, YouTube Jesus. views. How about that? There we go. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the people who pay for subscriptions get mad about that, Brent. Right?
0: Yeah. Oh. we'll hit both uh, two birds with with. with I'm one
1: paying thing. your bills with the subscriptions.
0: So, <laughs> aye, aye, aye. Well, Chad, I know you, any, any pulse you know, you mentioned Collier and Page. obviously there's been a lot of talks about that over the past so many odd days. Um, any change in pulse as far as your read on the Collier situation right now, or is it kind of obviously has the uh, official visit to Michigan coming up soon? I uh, don't know. Kind of your, your pulse on the situation up to this point.
1: People I trust in the industry have a feeling this is trending towards the West coast. And the, from what I've heard, that would mean USC. Um, the Michigan visit is this week, I guess, uh, coming up here in the next, I think two days, I think the 27th is the day I heard. I might be wrong on that, but I think the 27th, um, Michigan's got a little bit of ground to make up, but that's what you do on official visits, right? They're, they're going to be the most recent memory that he has of uh, of a campus. So that is, it, while it is certainly a factor, I don't think it is always a deciding factor. But, you know, I, I told you guys when I was, what, I think it was Louisville? Or no, it wasn't Louisville, it was Indianapolis. I was in every game. And every game, Jawan Howard was sitting right there. Yep. So I knew Michigan was like they weren't a major threat yet, mm-hmm. but they were going to be. Um. As as things were playing out, so I, yeah, I have to take Michigan serious, but I still think this from from what I've been told, um, UC is still. In a, you know, in a in a fighting stance, uh, still in position, with the work that they've done throughout it, this recruitment over the long haul, they've done a better job long haul than anybody. Uh, but long haul doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter if you win fifteen hundred meters of the mile. Right. If somebody passes you in the last hundred meters, you yep. you ran the best race for fifteen hundred meters. You've got to figure out a way to finish. And that's what it's going to be on West Miller and his staff to do. Um, the West Coast option has gotten the most buzz. For uh, for my understanding, that's USC. Does that mean that UCLA is out? No. I just think if he picks an LA school, my my understanding of where that would be is USC. Um, but now that you know, it's starting to look like okay, they're entering decision mode. Now, everybody's going to be making their final pitches. You know, everybody's going to be getting down to business with this is why we need you. We're going to find out. Like we've seen a couple times now that things have gotten questionable at the end, and Wes Miller has done a good job winning those battles at the end. Right. You know, we saw it with Daniel Skillings, with NC State. We saw it. Again, with NC State, with Landers Nolley,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, we, we've seen a couple of these situations where Cincinnati felt like they were in the lead, that it felt like it might have kind of slipped away, and then they they closed strong and got the job done. Will that happen here? I don't know. Uh, but I definitely know Cincinnati is still very much right up there uh, in the schools that are being heavily considered. They will have a prominent uh, voice at the table, when the family sits down to make a decision, because I know Wes has done a great job. I know Andre, Andre Morgan's done a great job. Yes. Guest of BBP fame, Andre Morgan. Yes, um, sir. Does that mean that they're going to get him? I, I I don't know. Like Gun to my head, USC has had the momentum of late. You're right. going to have to steal that momentum away. And win the game in the you know that final segment that, that that last media timeout in a close game you're gonna have to figure out how to get that done.
0: I tell you what, the staff has done all they can, like you said, Wes. Wes is Wes has been able to close some some big ones when when the bright lights come on. So let's hope that he closes more, another monster one here. So as as you said, we'll see. Hopefully within. The next few weeks things trend. Yeah, I mean if
1: the visits if the visits this week and they're gonna sit down and start entering decision mode after the visit, like you're talking early to mid-August for a decision. So um, we'll see. We'll see if Wes can can pull a, a rabbit out of the hat on this one.
0: Amen. Amen. Would love to see it. Uh Talking about current team, just real quick, uh, obviously you and Aaron touched on it a little bit during the um, nightcap last week. It's just the the whole locker room expansion slash renovation, something to watch out for, part of that, what they call it, the next level Big 12 movement. But yeah, I'm I'm all for that. Uh, you guys already kind of wrapped that up pretty pretty well. What is it, $6 million going to that and uh, kind of just pushing out? Expanding and, and making more space, using more space at a uh, at a better advantage to the team and to the to the program. So something to continue to monitor, but also something that is for the proof that they're trying to push things in the right direction for West in the program as the things just really hit the next level in the next year going forward. Um, aside from that, some of my favorite stuff out of uh, Mike Ra- Mike Rayfelt from the offseason not only is it the body transformations but it's it's the day that he does the verticals out there in the fifth third arena and and aaron i think you got to pull it up first first nice nice look i think look at this We have jared hensley going up 12, 12 one is massive. one inch Oof. next up Vic lockett 11 11 and a half and last but not least daniel skillings up 15 pounds, hitting 11-10, over 40 inches in his vert. And that's a, another good look there. I think that might be something new, and then he's got the water bottles. Uh, but, no, it's, that is some major bounce, some uh, length out of those players as well. I mean, you're talking about Jarrett Hensley, who we've already mentioned a, a few times, taking this big leap. And then, of course, Daniel Skillings, only been on campus for, what, two months almost? Month and a half, if you month, month and a half, yeah. He yeah. got
1: here. He got here late, so.
0: So that's that, that's kind of raw bunnies, if you will. Uh, yeah. Getting up there over forty inches vertical, Uh man. Yeah. Raw bunnies.
2: Some of the stuff that's come out of your mouth tonight, Brett.
0: Raw bunnies. <laughs> yeah, ball, ball is life, baby. Ball is life. Uh, yeah, I mean it's going to be. Oh. It's gonna be exciting to see as these players continue to develop. And the and, and the other fact is that all of those guys are underclassmen, uh, eligibility wise. So, hey man, keep keep the ball rolling in the right direction and have these guys develop it. That's some that's a monster hops out of these players. Monster. That's
2: that's got to be the title of the show, right, Chad?
0: Raw bodies. Nah, we we might get flagged. Probably probably get flagged. <laughs> Either that or send them to the, send them to the Peacock. Send them, send them to the Peacock. All right.
1: Um, send them to the cock is not oh, going to be the title for this. Christ, Christ almighty,
0: almighty, I hope not. <laughs> but anything else team-wise, recruiting-wise for basketball chat or anything recruiting football-wise? I mean, I obviously things are quiet all around, but um, anything before we move uh, on to the mailbag?
1: No, that's, they're – I mean, they're – Jalen Thompson is still out there. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess Brandon Solis is is still a long term option, but that's a long way from a decision. Right. Uh, other than that, I, I think the twenty twenty three class pretty much has a bow on it, unless there's subtractions and then additions based on those subtractions uh, somewhere down the line. But as it stands now, I, I think we're that, that'll answer this question right here from B Meyer. Uh, yeah. About done with 2023 and far more focused on 24. Um, that's what happens when you get like 14 commits in two weeks.
0: And, and another thing to think about though, is, is look at what they've done on the transfer market. You know, you've got a guy on the Blitnikoff award watch list, a guy on the a Buckus award watch list. You've got the potential starting quarterback, Potential starting kicker, potential starting running back, a defensive Your end left tackle transfer. You know, yeah, I, I, yeah, left, starting left tackles a transfer. It's going to be that's another growing thing in this whole transfer market. Is you want to have enough flexibility to to add in, yeah. in place where you need. So, big time. Top of the mail mailbag, no No promise. Yes, one way. Steven,
1: Aaron is going to ban you.
2: All right. <clears throat> What a weird night. It's been a couple weird weeks, man. I don't know what's going we're, on. It's
1: the end of the offseason, man. We're almost to the finish line. We're almost to being able if, to talk football if,
0: again. If you listen to any podcasts out there right now, sports podcasts, it's a little weird. Because you're, you're trying to fill some things with July. So we're, All right. we're right on Pat.
2: So with, <laughs> we're entering the football portion of the mailbag. Uh, the AAC has 19 regular season games this year versus power five opponents, including BYU and Notre Dame. How many games does the conference need to get an A grade, B, C, and so on?
0: I hate you sometimes, it, Mark. What when all even, 19, you get an A plus. How about that, Mark? What does that even mean? <laughs> when all 19, you get an A plus. I,
1: Here's the problem with your question is your second question.
2: Well, doesn't it also depend on how well the schools that you play do, right? Like,
1: I mean, it just from a perception standpoint, like you want to win as many of those games as possible. But yeah. most of those games are being played by the bottom of the conference. So your likelihood to win those games is small. Like, if they win 10 of those 19 games, I'll give them an A. Yep. Yeah. Because this conference stinks and they're not in a position to win a bunch of those games. And I mean, if I'm handicapping Cincinnati, Arkansas right now, I'm picking Arkansas and Cincinnati's one of the best teams in the conference, if not the best team in the conference. So, I mean, if they get 10, that's an a, uh, eight is a B six is a C and so on. That's like that's I did the Yeah. I worked in the and So on there,
0: I like that. And so on. Here's here's just here's just week one for you guys. Temple at Duke. Duke. NC State at ECU.
1: That's interesting. Holden Aylers, you know, is right. looking to finish out his 14th year at ECU. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's right. like Tom Brady at a ECU. What's going on? Cincy at Arkansas. Yeah. Memphis at Mississippi State.
1: Memphis has given Mississippi State fits in the past, but, I mean – Look, if they get you know, one win in that window, that's pretty good.
0: Yeah, I, I mean,
1: considering
0: if you're looking at it, because because some of these P five schools, it's like Louisville at UCF, uh, Houston at Texas Tech. It's I'm sure there's some more stiffer competition later on, but it's those two and, games are
1: winnable for UCF and
0: right, and then it's like Tulane at Kansas it. State, Kansas at Houston. Kansas State's going to be pretty good. Yeah.
1: Houston better smack the shit out of Kansas, like.
0: Right. Right.
1: Uh 13 of these is what A- AAC Part- programs that will still be in the AAC. Um I would take the under. What? 4 and 9? 4 and 9 would be surprising from the teams remaining. Beating P five programs, Yeah. four and nine would be would be pretty good. I'm taking the under. I don't even think five is realistic. I think four is yeah, realistic.
0: Right.
1: If you could set it at four and a half, and I would still take the under.
2: Yeah, Aaron. Woof. I, I'm with you. I, 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 you didn't say anything that I would disagree with, and I, I think that. Even the Memphis-Mississippi State, I don't know that I'm giving the nod to Memphis.
0: Right. I, I mean, Rutgers at Temple, USF at Florida, SMU cool. at Maryland.
2: Uh,
1: Maryland's SMU's cool. old. Like, they've got a lot of, you know, transfers and, and guys that are back
2: and Maryland's, a different
1: coach, so maybe they're not soft as shit.
2: Maryland's still not earning that full Big Ten money until this season. This is the first right. season I think they're <laughs> earning, <laughs> finally <laughs> earning full Big Ten money. Congratulations.
0: You know, Yay. you know. here's a big one. Philip Montgomery going to go in and get a staple win against Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss Rebels. How about that? There we go.
1: I mean, we'll get into a lot of this later, <laughs> B. Meyer, but Houston should be in the championship game. Like, if they don't, they didn't have a season near where
2: they're expected. All right, also from UC Merck. In a hypothetical world, which player that is no longer eligible from last year's team would you think would have the biggest impact on this year's team if they were playing on it?
1: Ahmad Gardner.
2: Him or Dez, I mean. I think that you have formidable. Pretty easy answer. I think you have formidable options to replace Dez, although we don't know which quarterback it's going to be. I think you have formidable options to replace Dez. I don't know that on the other side of the field that the options are the same caliber.
0: Right. But I, I mean, I think if you have Desmond Ritter at quarterback going at Arkansas week one, you feel a lot more confident than if you have just sauce on defense and then still the question mark that probably won't be a question mark anymore, but Agreed just, to just disagree. At, at this point right now, Agreed, I don't agree
1: mean, with that. I, I, again, I don't think people are going to grasp oh, no, I how don't. important a mod gardener was until me, I'm on that the train. season begins.
0: I'm on that train completely. But I would feel Dev won that, a lot of games. <laughs> I, I would feel more
2: comfortable knowing Sauce. does won a fact. lot of games
1: with a mod gardener
2: at I agree. Boundary I agree. Corner.
1: <laughs>
2: I
0: agree with I'm not I'm not disagreeing with that one bit.
2: I'm
1: just All saying. You played Devil's a little good. bit.
0: I get it. That's the 1A, but, 1B. There's no doubt.
1: But as I have said many times, yeah. Ahmad Gardner is the most dominant player in the history of UC football, and it's yep. not particularly close. And if I could add one player to this team, it would be the most dominant oh. player in UC
2: football. No he bad. still has a year of eligibility left, by the way. Uh, what if anything two. do you guys? <laughs> yeah, definitely well, COVID year. Bring it back. Uh, what, what if anything do you guys think is to be said about the fact that our first commits? of 2022 being disagree Graham and 2023, AJ Sally decommitted and then started receiving offers. And in the case of Graham committed to schools well below UC, does UC need to adjust their early class recruiting and information gathering before they accept commitment from kids in the early stages of a recruiting cycle?
1: No, because who cares? They didn't sign. They committed and then they didn't develop. So they weren't committed. Like I, I look taking kids that early as you see did with both of those kids is a huge gamble yeah. because you haven't seen those kids camp in the summer. You haven't seen those kids compete their senior
2: season.
1: Like there's a lot of unknowns that happen when you take kids early in their junior cycle
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so far away from their senior cycle, it is a risky proposition. Um, but guess what? If it doesn't work out, then you part ways and they go find the right level for them. And you go find another player. Like in football, it's not that big a deal because there's so many numbers. So if you have one or two fall off. You're going to be able to just cycle in something else that you've been working on later in the process. So I, I don't think it's a big deal. Um, I, I I don't think there's much to be said about it other than that's the risk you take when you're taking kids as early as they took both of those kids. Yeah,
0: hey, but what about uh like take like Dante Corleone? You know, it, he was the first commit of the 2021 class. It wasn't highly ranked. Yeah, but that was
1: during the seat. Like that was right at the start of the seat. Like the season, They'd, they had a little bit more tape on him.
0: Right. Why well, just meant like first commit, and he's yeah. not like a. I know, but it was a little bit different than the star. Two. Yeah,
1: it's a little. Yeah. I'm just saying it's a little different than the two that we're talking about.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I just think that they, I mean, sure they might have had some more tape to to follow him, but he was a guy that ended up, you know, being outperforming his his ranking so far with his workouts and his ability to to get underweight. And there and was some
1: non-football stuff with Sally that was stuff that like, hey. Like when we they took the commitment, like we're going to need you to make progress in these areas and fast forward a couple months and no progress had been made in those areas. So it was time to to move along. By the time A.J. Sally was out of the 2023 class, I mean, they had, what, 18 months to signing day or what? Like it, it, that doesn't make an impact on anything.
2: Is it fair to say, though, that sometimes a kid can simply regress? Like we've all, we all were kids at one point in time. Like,
1: I don't know that regress is the word, but just not progress, like not make the natural progression that you're expected to make as you're going through this process. Like there's an expectation that you're going to continue getting better. And if you hit a plateau or then there are some that decline to your point, then, you know, the situation changes like that. That's just look, they've taken kids in the middle of the cycle and, and gotten to senior year tape and decided this isn't, you know, this doesn't look like what we thought it was going to look like. And they've moved on later in the cycle like that. That's that's recruiting. The thing I would say, I guess, to this question is. Recruiting is not for faint of the heart or a weak stomach. You got a weak stomach. This ain't a game for you because recruiting at the big time level is about making big time decisions. And sometimes your decisions on this day don't look like your decisions a couple months down the road.
2: I think it was an excellent question. Well done.
1: Yes, I think it was a great question. I I think we gave a good answer.
2: Uh, Any plans on doing a football round table type discussion before or after training camp? Or before, after training camp, before the season starts. You know, always love it when guys like Mo and Justin come on and have big group discussions.
1: There's that window of like ten days from when camp ends to when the season starts. Um, maybe I, I haven't really. I'm living day to day right now. I, I we haven't gotten to the. uh I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it's a 10, 12-hour deal the week before the season starts, Aaron. Uh, You're probably not even capable of doing that right now. You would get killed, murdered,
2: if you tried to do a 12-hour stream right now. It's going to depend on the date. If if she is back to work, that is an impossibility.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If she's not back to work, and you sit in that office... For 12 hours.
2: Oh no, no, no. When you
1: walk out, she would stab you.
2: I would need to be taking breaks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll see Aaron in 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: we'll talk, we'll figure something out. There's not a ton I can do right now while she's just feeding all the time. I mean, it's there's a lot of that.
0: Anyway. Um Did I see Mo starting a podcast? I did see that. He, hmm. he, tweeted, he tweeted it out today?
2: Yeah. So
0: Interesting.
2: Mm. Chad fires off angry email. Uh, With Ethan Wright moving, (laughs) (laughs) with Ethan Wright moving to safety, what does that do for that position? I know camp is around the corner, and that will determine things. But do you think at Arkansas the starting safeties could be Ethan Wright and Javon Hicks? I'd be astonished. No. No.
0: Yeah, way too much ground to make up, (laughs) but. Who knows?
1: Okay. I mean, Ethan's just now starting to play safety. Like, it, it, no. I it, It'll be Javon Hicks and most likely Brian Threats.
2: What does that do for safety. that position, though, as far as depth goes? It gives it depth.
1: It gives it options. It gives it another guy that is physical and big and can run and can hit. And,
0: yeah. It gives and what if it he does, and Spark and, Sparkin takes off Then week three or four or five rolls around and... All of a sudden, like you said, you do have that option to then throw him in there for some more time.
2: Yeah. All right. Um, After a promising finish of the year during bowl practice and in all of the secondary shakeup, where does Leroy Bauer stand for his position and depth? I remember Chad being very high on him.
1: Uh, Yes, and we have covered that extensively in the uh, spring football talk, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more. But he is now playing more of a nickel corner hybrid. It's the first we've seen of this where somebody with a sniper background is getting a look uh, as a nickel corner. Um, It was still very much a work in progress in the spring. So I'm interested to see how that progresses uh, at camp because he is fast, he hits hard, uh, and he's a guy that the staff really likes. And the reason that they are trying this out is because at Sniper, you have Deshaun Pace and Ty Van Fossen, and he is not going to play over those two guys. So you try to get him on the field and in an attempt to get him on the field. Uh, they are looking at, you know, this new alignment. And if you would like to follow that, you can subscribe to BearcatJournal.com, get my full camp reports every day. Every day, there's a camp report. And then Aaron and I will talk about one or two things on the nightcap. But if you want the meat and potatoes, you got to be a member.
0: Meat and potatoes kind of guy.
1: Or maybe we just make the nightcap members only for camp. Oh. And then you'll have to subscribe to the YouTube channel to get the nightcap.
0: Really ruffle some feathers.
2: <laughs> we'll see. I think Mardner will have a huge year. Wasn't one of Des's faults early last year that he would not throw it up for Pierce and take the check down. Maybe a less All experienced, stuff. maybe less experienced according. quarterback makes that lower percentage throw. Mardner would be the beneficiary of that.
1: Faults according to who? Like Ooh. a fault is not our quarterback decided not to throw it up uh, against good coverage. It's not a fault. That's what a checkdown is for.
0: Maybe I, yeah, I, I think the checkdown is was the smartest <clears throat> move more often than not. Um, That's how you don't throw a think, lot of interceptions,
2: right?
1: Do I think Ben Bryant will take more chances than Des Ritter? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know about Prater. Uh, if he wins the job, like if he's just going to be, you know laying it out there and saying my arm has got this but that is a ben bryant trait ben bryant's got some gunslinger to him um but i don't know i know why you put it in quotation marks uh i don't agree that it was a fault that instead of uh just chucking it up and hoping ap made a play that he took the check down and got a more uh, reliable sure thing
2: that's the football portion of the mailbag
1: but we all think Mardner's going to have a very good year. He's my right. pick to lead the team in receiving yards.
0: And and as I said before, Aaron and I saw a couple of the, uh, the old chucker down the field and let the guy go catch it at the spring game. So, Yep. Um, so first question in the basketball portion,
2: um, Chad, can you speak on Davion Thomas a little more? Is he big 12 caliber? Are we in a good spot with him? Who's the competition for him? Do we need to talk any more on Davion Thomas? Is that... No, I, I'm still working on a
1: little more information on him. Like I said, it's it's difficult because I, I'm i not as connected at the JUCO level as I am at the high school level. I just don't get to any of those events. Uh, I have not seen them myself. I rely very heavily on being able to make in-person evaluations. Um, I'll, I'm making calls this week, like I said, for the, uh, the hot board. Uh, so I will be speaking on it uh, more then.
0: Chad, just in general, uh, do you think, like, time timeline-wise, is JUCO commitments kind of in line with high school commitments where it's just kind of up in the air? Or is it, it just more depends they, on the kid? they play their season and then make the decision afterwards? No, it just depends
1: on the kid. Uh, and, in right. fact, a lot more, like, generally JUCOs, if they can – would like to get it done before they have a season because you're not playing elite competition. You don't want, you know, maybe, maybe you have a bad, you know, a bad month or whatever. And somebody goes cold on you because, well, they're a Juco and they should be dominating. Well, you know, maybe you sprained your pinky and you're playing through it or who knows, but like generally they like to get things done. About the same. Like most high school kids, want to get things done before the season starts.
0: Right, right.
1: I think JUCO's in a in a similar boat.
2: Okay. All right, evening, fellas. For each of you, what's your first UC basketball memory, and what's your best UC basketball memory?
1: I'll let you you guys have a swing at this one. You guys are the fans. You do
2: you have one ready, Aaron? Uh first UC basketball memory was uh the first game I got to go to was mm-hmm. with uh my best friend Paul. His dad took us, R.I.P. Bobbo, and uh he, he took us down to a game. I think we sat either the very highest bench <laughs> back in the 90s or the one directly below, below. that bench. <laughs> um it was definitely way up there. Um, I was a young, young, young lad, uh, lad. Ba- back when they were represented by Jordan brand and doing highlight reels on ESPN um, yeah. best UC basketball memories probably uh, probably the Trey Scott game winner
0: hmm. okay um I what the my-
1: senior day
2: temple yeah. yeah
1: temple
0: right before the the earth stood still. The pandemic of 2027. The last uh,
1: game before the pandemic,
0: yeah. I was hammered. <laughs> there we go. Uh, for me, hey, Chad, hey, Johnson, <laughs> I'm here. We got
1: work for you guys. <laughs> it was what it
2: wasn't, it wasn't never that bad. <laughs> That's I a good memory. You made me sound like Mike Bone. It wasn't that bad. Wasn't yeah, there was one Mike. kind of bad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there was but. one, there was a couple times you <laughs> came over, yeah, you, you weren't doing great.
0: I don't know what you're talking about, but uh. Uh, for That's me, I
1: you don't remember.
0: <laughs> uh, growing up, I went to a, a, a lot of games. My both of my parents are alumni, and we lived in Cincy before I moved over to Indy. But I, I always do remember looking up at as as a little lad looking up at at the at the noise meter and just watching that like raise up yeah. and getting like real hyped. And as a little kid, you know, getting super excited. Um, shoot for. Uh, Favorite UC basketball memory? Well, also I, I love Tony Bobbit. I had a, a birthday party growing up that was all centered around Cincinnati basketball, and we filled out these cards seeing how many points, rebounds, and blocks that Kenyon Martin was going to have in that game during my birthday, and and it was a it was a really fun time. But uh, as far as best UC basketball memory, um, I'll go recent. I would say it was the game. At fifth third, old fifth third, when uh, Xavier came to town, Trayvon blew it, dropped 40, and the Bearcats had that comeback in the second half, and and, and Jaron Cumberland made J.P. McCura his his little boy and, and just really uh dominated the second half, and that that place got loud and rocking, and we were sitting right next to some Xavier fans who were all in our face the entire first half. So that second half, making sure I, I walked out without a voice was one of my biggest uh, biggest things that I wanted to make sure I have happened, so that'd be that'd be right up there um, at the top. So those two, because uh, there's plenty of others, but they normally ended up like really happy and then got sad really fast. You know, <laughs> if you know what I mean, we don't have to mention those games. Don't have to mention those. Um,
1: I mean, I just remember going to games with my dad. Is I don't know that there's any one specific, like, this is your, like, you know, we, did, we started going to games together so early. Like, yeah. I always marvel at people. Like, I remember my first game. I was three years old. I was like, well, I don't remember when I was three years old. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. um, and some of the early games at the Shoe, because we had, my dad had a buddy that had season tickets mm-hmm. um, right off to the side of the student section. And when he didn't go, he would give the tickets to my dad and we would go. Um, Man, favorite memory, best UC basketball memory is a lot of them. There is. As a fan, probably Max's senior night. Okay. Because we, like, we went together and had seats up top and, like, you could see, like, how much that meant to him. Right. And that was really, like, you know, at that time, you know, wasn't quite to like I was trending towards the media Working. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um then you get like kind of got that like that sense of like man like I now I start to understand why it means so much to me because I see how much it means to him. Yeah. Um as a reporter or like a you know insider or whatever the hell you want to call me mm-hmm. uh lucky lucky jackass um <laughs> The Purdue game is way up there.
0: Yeah, that was awesome.
1: I mean, down seven with a minute left. It was another one of those ready to slam your laptop into your backpack. Yep. And, you know, see it come to an end. I would probably say the Florida State game, though, because that was, awesome. that team was so physically overwhelmed or should have been so physically overwhelmed. By that yep. Florida State team, and I'll—I just—I'll never forget how much Jaquan Parker just fucking scrapped and battled and fought his ass off oh. to get that win. Um, yeah. and I love that team—Cash and Yancey and Dion and Park. Yeah, um, like th- those were those were a lot of really good dudes. So um, I- I'll go with I'll go with the Florida State win to get to the Sweet Sixteen.
0: Well, and, and also earlier that year when they beat Syracuse at Madison Square Garden yeah. in the Big East tournament, that's I remember right. I was I was in my apartment at IU and I think I think Doris Burke that's was way there. up there too. Yeah, yeah. I think Doris Burke was interviewing SK afterwards with, with uh Mick or or it might have been Yancey, and I remember I was just crying in my apartment. I was like, geez, get a, <laughs> get a hold bitch. of yourself, Brent. And then another one also though would be Eric Hicks's senior night. When, yeah, that was who, another big one. When, when uh, Huggins was, was, you know, came back and, and Hicks yeah. kind of, you know, walked over, give Hugs a, a big hug and was crying and whatnot. And then Piss tried to purposefully miss a free throw and he banked it in. And yeah. then Bearcats won. So, yeah, I mean, there's that,
1: that Syracuse game was amazing, man. Watching oh, yeah. how hot they were for the first,
0: in the first half, 12 oh, minutes man. of the game
1: when oh, everything, yeah. bang. Bang, yep. bang. Pass, and it was the exact FK. thing you're not. It's right. the exact thing you're not supposed to do against the zone. You're just not supposed to settle for 28 foot threes.
0: Take NBA range threes the entire yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they got hot
1: and it was just like fuck it.
0: And then SK banked one in, and you're like, yeah. let's go.
1: 26 to 13, 29 to 13, 32 like, oh. to 13. Like, what the hell is happening? Right. That was a and, and coming off of the Georgetown. awesome yeah and then the next night they back it up with doing that that was a a fun little run to the championship game for what may be one of the worst played basketball games in the history of the sport that uc louisville big east championship
0: oh my gosh
1: like they were both teams were so dead (laughs) and just so like almost punch drunk yeah uh battling to get to that point and didn't
0: have anything yeah. left. Well, and the and also the uh, the the run that Gary Clark senior year team in the in the uh, AAC tournament was also fun to watch. Yeah, sure. Because obviously they were one of the best teams in the country, and they they showed it all throughout.
1: But Gary with the ball just raised above yep. his head.
0: Yep. Nope. Rob Rob Gray with one of the greatest passes in UC basketball history. So. Yeah, fifteen and, uh, feet
1: behind the guy who was trying to throw the pass to.
2: We'll it, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, How long before we see some JUCO names? We've got to have a few backup plans. Can we get some names?
1: We've gotten some names.
2: <laughs>
1: so <laughs> there will be a name or two on the big man list. We, we, we've talked Davion Thomas. Jerry, where you been, man? Wake up. We've gotten some JUCO names. Mm -hmm. those exist. Look at the 2023 recruiting threat. Quit looking at verbal commits. Start paying attention to Bearcat Journal. That's my advice to Jerry.
0: (laughs)
2: Love you, Jerry. This is a great question. Mm, I don't want to answer this. Would you rather have one year of Isaiah Collier or four years of Trey Green? If you knew for sure you could get one of the two.
1: This is a really hard question to answer. It is. The answer, the correct answer is ultimately Collier, because it opens you up to a level of recruiting that hasn't been seen here in 25 years, right? So once you introduce yourself as a program, that is a player, and, and you have a coach that is able to get those type of kids. It allows you to get in the conversation with more of those type of kids um on the court the problem is answering the question can only be done in retrospect because if isaiah collier comes to cincinnati and and plays here one year and leads cincinnati to let's say an elite eight like let's not go crazy and, and say like final four but say they like they they get into the tournament. They, it's their first year in the Big Twelve. Collier is as good of a point guard as we think he is. Cincinnati goes, you know, like ten and eight in the Big Twelve. Gets like a, a six seed or seven seed. Makes a run to the Elite Eight. Now everything you need to know about Wes Miller is established, right? Like. They can go out on the recruiting trail with some juice and some chops. We landed a, an NBA kid. He came in, took us to this level. Like it, 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 it speeds up the timeline. Where Trey Green is different is he's just so good of a shooter. Like he's just so. In the way the game is played today. He changes things because he just has the ability to get, you know, you're in a tight game in the second half and you're Mm -hmm. up by one. And all of a sudden in four trips, he knocks down two threes and you're up by seven and now you're in control down the stretch. And it just, it changes the game.
2: If he's that good, is he going to be here for four years? Trey Green? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where's he going? Just saying. He's 5'8". If he's that good a shooter, the small people have been in the NBA before. Who? Spud Webb. Yeah, Muggsy
1: because Bugs. he was an insane athlete.
2: Muggsy Bogues?
1: Because he was an insane... Those guys who won dunk contests, Aaron.
2: I understand, but uh, th- th- we also know that the NBA is well-documented as listing players taller than they actually were. That's a thing. Huh? The NBA Wait, has Muggsy listed- Bogues and, no, no, and I'm say- Webb? No, not those two. Not those two, but the, the NBA has definitely listed players taller than what they actually were.
1: Uh, he's 5'8.
2: Okay. If I'm they saying- list him at 5'10, he's still short as fuck. There's been I'm just saying there's
1: been he's a, a four-year college player. Okay. Just like just, it's just what he is. Just
2: asking a question.
1: That's why you're not seeing a bunch of high majors go on him. That's why you're not seeing the Blue Bloods after what he did at the Peach Jam. Like, Virginia jumped in, yeah, because they value efficiency. And I think his overall field goal efficiency at the Peach Jam was, like, almost 70%. I think
0: it was, like, yeah, the top marks of the Peach Jam.
1: Yeah. But he's he did th- eight.
0: He did throw down a dunk or two in the in the P Sham as well.
1: He's got decent athletic like he's not a bad athlete, but he's not right. like if you go back and look at
0: no, I know. Muggsy I know.
1: Bogues and Spud Webb, like they were disgusting athletes.
0: And like, they were also
1: both like five five.
0: And then you look at like uh like like <laughs> Car- like, like Carson Edwards. And you know, yeah. I I threw him out as as someone he, he left early, but that's because he's was five eleven and, and super freak athlete as well that could score in multitude of ways. I think Trey Green is more of that prototypical point guard that can score and will shoot dead eye in front of you, but guys does shoot, a lot man. more. Yeah, I know. Holy crap, he can shoot.
1: Man, I hope he so Leon like. Bonds
0: his way all the way to Virginia, baby. Yeah, um, he's
1: going to he's going to end up hitting 15 threes
0: in the cross town shootout. Don't scare. All right. So Brent, do you have an answer
2: for the question?
0: Uh, I'm if I get to pick, I'm taking Collier because, like Chad said, it just opens the door up to the possibility of five stars. Looking at Cincinnati, seeing Collier as an example of, of someone that they could be themselves, especially if Collier is only here for one year, that means that he's drafted potentially, you know, in the lottery, potentially even top ten. So, um, I'm I'm taking the Collier option just because that has so many more benefits towards the future. Trey Green could end up being a you know. 1600 point score,
1: but still it's a, uh, it's a great point too. The game has gotten a lot bigger since Spud Webb and Muggsy Bose played 30 plus years ago. Right. Like,
0: Oh yeah, certainly agree. There on. is
1: conversation oh, yeah. that at six, three Collier, isn't big enough to play point guard in the NBA. Right. Like there is talk that he's not a one and done because he's only six, three. Right. Like it's, it's a different world now, man. But I, that's the thing you like, you know, Trey Green's probably going to give you four years and be a really fucking good player. But if you got a chance to advance a program under a new coach and and put yourself in a different uh, uh, tax bracket, I guess is a good way to put it, much faster, like you have to. and, and, And the thing on Collier that's different too is Cincinnati didn't get involved with Isaiah Collier when like, when he was a five-star. He was a top 50, top 60 type kid when they got involved, and then he has steadily climbed up the ranks. And you can't, you know, like you start dating the, the tall, skinny girl with braces late in high school, and by her sophomore year of college, she's like, you know, an 11. You try not to let that go. <laughs>
0: I mean, honestly, thinking about it more, I think Collier is kind of the no-brainer here. Um, He is. I mean, Trey Green could have a great year, uh, I mean career, but one year of Collier, (laughs) you're set for a long time.
2: Yeah. Okay. And we're all in agreement for the same reasons. When – that was the the basketball portion of the mailbag. Uh, The Banks, we only have one question this week. Uh, when fake John Goebbel and I sponsor the timestamp, what song should we have Aaron sing?
0: Just anything. I need to hear Aaron sing, man. Anything. Lord. Good lord. Chad, what song? Uh, what song? Geez. I feel
1: like
0: Aaron's got some soulfulness f- to him. Stairway?
1: Sure. Like, Should we make him sing, sing
2: Stairway? <laughs> I want to hear him do the high notes in Stairway. You'd get like three seconds of that song.
0: What is it? Casey and Jojo. <laughs> I could. Yeah.
2: I, give yeah me, we give me
0: crazy Casey by Casey and, and Jojo. Crazy. That's not the <laughs> Casey, that's not and Casey
1: and Jojo song. I would. That's not the Jodeci song. I would pick. I would say
0: I'm going crazy, crazy, crazy. Just the thick. All right. All right. Yeah. That's, it.
2: that's about all yeah, I got. For yeah. Yeah. All right. Rapid fire. Best ice cream flavor. I'm chocolate. going chocolate chip from graters. Okay. Chad? I'm basic
1: at like uh, chocolate, unless I'm doing it with something else, like if I have a chocolate chip cookie, then I want a vanilla bean.
0: Okay. Uh, Well, Wes picked out chocolate chip cookie dough for all of you wondering out there. If you see them at graters and want to buy him a cone, Uh, my pick is the Java chip. I love love a coffee ice cream with a big old chips from Mm graters. Mm-mm-mm. Um, uh, best
2: donut. Now,
0: are we talking brand or actual donut? Let's do both. Brett knows my answer. Yeah, let's do both, Aaron. The
1: the, the peanut butter fluff Long John at Titus Donuts, uh, up in Indianapolis.
0: So very specific, Noblesville, technically,
1: yeah. Northern Indianapolis, Noblesville, yeah. correct. Well, I mean, um, he asked best donut. That's my favorite donut, you're and right. Brent knows that thing is fucking delicious.
0: It's very, very good, very and good.
1: it's a whole meal. It's a whole meal, Brent. Aaron, got we got we got lunch, we got sandwiches and chips, and then got those. It's like just because we were told to try them, and had to scarf one of those things down after a full lunch. I wanted to throw up when we went back to the gym. Yeah,
2: I'm trying to remember the name of this this donut shop down in uh, Fort Myers, Florida, um, but they have a key lime pie donut. Ooh. That has actual key lime pie filling, and then like a graham cracker crumble on top of the Ooh. vanilla frosting on top. Uh, phenomenal! That sounds very hey. good. Go ahead, Brent.
0: Uh, I mean, shout out Long's Donuts. That's a Indianapolis staple. Their their glazed donuts are the greatest. But I like a good cake donut. I'll be honest. A little little, little cake donut, maybe maybe cinnamon sugar on it. That's about it.
1: Have you guys done and maybe like we need to get them as a sponsor at some point in time? You guys done peace, love, and little donuts? Never. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a a newer thing. That's like it's it's a chain that's growing, and they they do these um, they're like little tiny donuts. Donut holes. But they have like well no it's it's a donut but it's a tiny donut, and then they have like fifteen kinds of donuts, and then all different kinds of like gourmet. You can do a Snickers, uh, like mm-hmm. they have a uh, they have a uh, fruity pebbles donut. They have a Lucky Charms donut with like frosting and then crushed Lucky Charms with the marshmallows. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's pretty good stuff, and you can you can do a couple different donuts with it. But man, it is rich. Okay. It is it's like if you're looking to get it's- a sugar high at like nine o'clock in the morning. Is it a cake a donut
0: bit. or is it a? They have they, donut? they
1: have cake. They have all different kinds. You pick your kind of donut, and then you pick like how you want it. Okay, it's pretty good.
0: Have right. to dabble.
2: Uh, Napa Wine Valley vacation or Dollywood?
1: Uh, <laughs> I I don't drink wine and I hate country music, so this is a tough one for me. I guess I would go to Napa Wine Valley because it's the Napa Wine Valley. Same as opposed to Nashville. Same
0: every time. Yeah, that's a you know. You want to a fun uh, fact about Dolly Parton though? That
2: should be good.
0: Supposedly, with all the wild shit that's come out of your mouth tonight, supposedly man. she wears all these long sleeve shirts because she's just covered in tattoos. Did you know that? Wouldn't surprise. I mean, eh. little, little fun fact for you guys. You can Maybe. dive into. She's that. a great
1: human. And I don't denounce Dollywood. I'm right. just not into country music. It's not is my it, thing. Is so. it
0: Nashville or is it Knoxville? Where's Where's Dollywood? At? I thought it was Pigeon, Pigeon, Pigeon. Forge.
1: Yeah, it's where Gatlin Gatlinburg outside of Knoxville. Right.
0: Yeah, It'll, good old Dollywood. But no, I'm going that that Napa. Take me to Napa. Take me back yeah. to Napa. Say, I, I would
1: love to. Like you know, I'm I love California. Yeah. I know everybody when I mention that is like the taxes, and I'm like I'm just going to visit, man. Cali, great place to visit.
2: <laughs> I pay taxes for the week. Not the rest in not, peace, Biggie. Not the Heck
0: yeah, Tonk. Heck yeah, Tonk. Love that. <laughs>
1: Tonk, Tonk's a Napa Valley guy. I'd love like, you know, Kelly loves wine, An so enthusiast. Would probably, Kelly would probably love a Napa Valley vacation. Don't say mm-hmm. that too loud, because next thing you know, we're gonna freaking be in
0: Napa Valley. Did I hear Napa Valley vacation?
2: <sighs> but that's <Probably>. that's <laughs>
0: the mailbag. That is okay. the mailbag. Well guys, any uh any closing remarks before we, we shut this one down? No?
1: we all good? I haven't seen anything crazy happen on Twitter.
0: Yeah, I, I almost got duped by the Cincinnati men's hockey uh, tweet that they put out. So <laughs> that we're, we're opening up the 2022-23 season at home against North Carolina. And I was like, whoa. I just looked at the graphic for a second and I said, all right, that's hockey. Take a deep Where's breath. Good. My jersey's around
2: here somewhere. There you go, Chad. Ideas for the Sunday show.
0: Seapaw Sunday recap, Bearcat Sunday Blitz, Bearcat Sunday Bulletin, Red and Black Sunday, Seapaw Gridiron recap, and the Seapaw Sunday.
1: I wonder if they would come after us for like using Seapaw or anything. It would be tough if we did a graphic. With yeah. like a seapal name, you
2: because get like like cease and desist.
1: Yeah,
0: we would get a cease and desist yeah. fast. Got to, got to keep the bear cat in there. Yeah. Oh well. But good ideas.
1: We're we're, we're workshopping things. Aaron, our idea isn't going to be a go. Um, unfortunately, I checked on it today, and the, the logistics I don't think would work. We had a perfect, a perfect idea for Dave's co-host, but. We don't think we could make it work, unfortunately. Damn it. I know it would have been so
0: good. Would have been good. Oh well. Good. What can you do? Oh well. We can get out of here. We can yeah, let's go. We can. Well, guys, thank you for joining us. Special thanks, special shout out to uh Chad's daughter Kelsey. Happy birthday. Uh but uh other than that, thanks for tuning in. Thank you to Danco Transmission, as always. And uh yet again. For my broadcast buddies, good pals, good good partners, Aaron Smith and Chad Brendel, I am Brent Young. Yet again, another fantastic BVP presented by BearcatJournal.com. See ya!